Hey everybody, this is the very funny comedian Taylor Williamson. You know who I am. I'm very famous. I was runner-up on America's Got Talent. I was on the roast of Bruce Pritchard. I have a comedy special on Amazon Prime. I'm a big deal around here on this planet Earth. For those of you new to Earth. Um, I just wanted to let you know that promotional considerations were paid for by the following. Boxofgimmicks.com. With new items each week, the official store of what happened when, something to wrestle with in 83 weeks. Log on and get your gimmicks for the wrestling fan in your life or get something for yourself. You work hard. You deserve it. Get yourself a, get yourself a gimmick. And by patreon.com slash WHWMonday. Don't forget the slash. Otherwise, you're just on their main page. Don't be a weirdo. Want to be a low-key big hog or a glass-bottom boat rider? What am I reading? How about a member of the Hot Tag Express or the Slap Dignation? Who wrote this stuff? Join Conrad Thompson and Tony Schiavone with bonus podcasts, behind-the-scenes videos, live weekly chats, and new content each week. Oh, cool. I'm going to do that. And by LoisRules.com. Get all your t-shirts from What Happened When right now. And by AEW Dynamite on TNT. Join the revolution each Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central. Why did I agree to do this? Am I getting paid? I better get paid. Tony. You know what? Forget Tony. Conrad, you're the millionaire. You live in a mansion. Give me some money. Tony, make sure Conrad gives me some money. And also, stop fighting with Dean Malenko. He's a good guy. Thompson, and you're listening to What Happened When? With the voice of your childhood, Tony Schiavone. Tony, what's going on, man? How are you? How are you, Conrad? What's going on with you in Alabama? Man, I am hanging out like a hair in a biscuit. It was a great weekend this past weekend. Lots of uh, playoff NFL football. And then, uh, well, we saw the championship game on Monday night. College football is coming to an end. Do you miss college football when it's gone? I know Georgia Bulldog athletics is a big part of your life. Do you miss it when it's gone? No, not at all. Okay, cool. Uh, I, I'll tell you why. And I was thinking about this the other night when I was, uh, 
went to Auburn for a basketball game. You know how I feel about Auburn. Sure. And, and the fans are just, and of course it's, it's students mostly, but the fans are just so bad. Mm. And I, and I'm not just, I'm not blaming Auburn fans. I'm blaming any college at, uh, fan that goes to college. They they're just terrible. They're vulgar. They don't have good sportsmanship and they always make that announcement. Make sure you display good sportsmanship in tonight's game. And most of the students say, okay, well fuck that. And it's just, it's, it's graded on me over the years. So I'm kind of glad when it's all over and I can take a break. And, you know, by the time the new season will start around, around, uh, uh, Labor Day, I'll be ready for it again. But it just, it just the the, the and I, I don't want to seem be a holier than now guy. But the piss poor sportsmanship that we have in this country, uh, just just grates on me. It really does. Yeah. Well, I can't wait for us to shit on some people on today's show uh, with good <laughs> sportsmanship. Sold out two thousand. I'm sure you're going to be uh, glad this one's over when we're done too. Not the best year for WCW. Uh, they're going to lose more money than any wrestling company in history this year. And we're going to get things started with sold out 2000 from January 16th. So, uh, as you're listening right now, tomorrow is the 20 year anniversary of this show. Uh, Tony, should we, should we shake her? Should we wake her? Should we bake her? What should we do with, uh, your fair maiden? Well, my fair maiden is not around. Mm. She's in, uh, New York, New Jersey, uh, with the uh, grandchild spending a week there. So I told her, get on out of here. Can I just Basically. give you a pro tip while she's yep. out of town? Mm-hmm. I want you to try some drugs. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I want you to get laid. Oh no. Come on now. No, I died. No, no, no. no hang I, on now. Let's check this out. Whether right. you're an athlete or a weekend warrior or someone who deals with joint pain, back pain, muscle soreness, or arthritis. And at your age, I'm sure you're dealing with some of that. Finding a natural remedy that instantly works might seem non-existent, but nay, nay, Tony Schiavone. Nay, nay. You see, most of the over-the-counter pain relievers like Icy Hot and Ben Gay only focus on one cooling effect like menthol, which just temporarily takes your mind off of the pain until it returns an hour or so later. But if you're looking to get rid of that nagging muscle and joint pain immediately while providing long-lasting recovery, then you need... To try the natural breakthrough pain relief solution, cryo-free CBD developed by Omax Health. Now this non-prescription triple action pain relief roll-on is specially formulated to block pain receptors, reduce inflammation, and improve both muscle and joint flexibility. Now the best part is this is 100% natural. CBD powered remedy work its magic within 10 minutes of application and the relief lasts up to eight hours, much longer than over-the-counter products. It's super easy to throw in your gym bag and take on the go for emergency pain relief. Simply roll it over where it hurts and ice the pain out with an Arctic blast. And Omax Health is offering our listeners 20% off a full bottle of cryo-freeze pain relief roll-on plus free shipping. The discount also applies towards any product site-wide. Just go to omaxhealth.com today and enter our promo code WHW to take advantage of this incredible savings. That's O M a X health.com. And the promo code is WHW. You'll get 20% off on the cryo freeze and site wide. And by the way, I feel like I should mention, I know we have a lot of fun here with, uh, with, uh, the finger pointing and the trash talk, but CBD has really, really <laughs> helped my family. I got mom using it. I got dad using it. I got the wife using it. It has turned every doubter 
into a believer. And it's all thanks to Omax cryo freeze. I can't recommend it enough. You're absolutely going to love it. Don't let muscle soreness continue to be excused for living an active lifestyle. Go to omaxhealth.com and feel relief faster. And I think by the time Lois gets back, you might be feeling a little better. If you go to omaxhealth.com and use that promo code WHW. I will do that because as you know, the older you get, well, you don't know, but your parents know and Lois knows the older you get, the more help you need. So I will. Yeah. And here's the deal. It's not just for older folks. You know, if you've got a wonky knee or an achy foot or whatever's ailing you, I'm telling you this cryo free stuff is legit. Can't recommend it enough. Check it out. Get a great discount and free shipping. Omaxhealth.com. The promo code is WHW and the show is sold out 2000. Fire it up on your WWE network. I guess since she's not here and you're about to get your motherfucking roll on, then we should, uh, go ahead and, and do a little countdown. Do you want to do it in her absence? I'll do it in her absence. I can't wait. You ready? Yep. Huh? You ready? Yes. Here we go. Here we go. Three, two, one, play. Well, this logo signifies the downturn of WCW, doesn't it? It does. It does. Ah, man, but look at the crowd. Still into us. In Cincinnati, Ohio. 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 And the signs are out. The uh, people are, are jam-packed. The uh, people are excited. But uh, you know what? Uh, uh, Tony Schiavone, uh, Mike Tanay, and Bobby the Brain Heenan, if I recall, are going to take uh, quite a while at the beginning of this show to try to explain why we had a lot of no-shows in this show and why we had to rebook the show. This is your classic clusterfuck of a beginning of a pay-per-view. Woof. Now, hi, everybody. Tony Schiavone, Mike Tanay, Bobby the Brain Heenan. I'm leaning over because, boy, what a day we've had. We have been all fucked up. We have no idea who is booked on this show. What we had booked on this show earlier in the week has now been unbooked. A couple of injuries, a couple of no-shows, a couple of don't give a fucks, but that's the way it is. Now, let's take a look at some of the things that we're going to have. Uh, as a matter of fact, we are going to take a look, if uh, you'll recall, Mike, today, at uh, Goldberg kicking the head off of Bret Hart. That's right, Tony. Breaking the head off of, uh, take, kicking the head off of Bret Hart. It happened, and it makes the change of this main event into something else. Now, we had a change earlier in the day at 8 o'clock, and then they changed it to 9 o'clock. By 9.30, they say we may change it again. <sighs> well, Heenan, uh, let's take a look at what we're talking about. Here is the kick that was heard all around the world. That's pretty fucking awesome, isn't it, Conrad? Or bad. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy when you think about you know how much this show has changed from when it was originally you know put together to now, mm -hmm. and it's even the uh, the headline of the Wrestling Observer. Uh, they called it the most tumultuous four day period in recent history of World Championship Wrestling. Started with WCW getting the word out that an injury would cause champion and main eventer Bret Hart to miss the sold out pay per view, and as dominoes started falling one by one, and ended with a new Booker. The crowning of a new champion who has to be released from his contract anyway, and his vacating the title voluntarily some 18 hours later, and possibly with several wrestlers leaving the company mm. for Bill Bush, who was running WCW this week will probably become his sink or swim week. As far as 
what the end result regarding his respect, both in and out of wrestling based on his handling of a chaotic situation, which was still ongoing at press time. It's pretty remarkable when you think about everything that happened leading to this pay-per-view. Jeff Jarrett gets a concussion. Bret Hart has a concussion. Chris Benoit and the radicals are trying to leave. I believe so is Conan and Shane Douglas. Whew, lots of moving and shaking in this one, baby. Yeah. And they, uh, they, uh, depended on us as you're looking at us right now, he and Coy through his paper, they, they depended on us to, to try to tell the entire stories and, and try to make some sense and, and try to, uh, uh, make it all seem, uh, I don't know, logical, which was very difficult to do. And as I, I watched, um, most of the show in, in prep for this and at the end of this long, long open that we had explaining everything with B roll and with graphics and everything. Mike Tanay said, Whew, we did it, Tony. We got through it. And it was really a challenge for us. Look at this it was, terrible it, graphic, by the way. Yeah, it's terrible. Uh, it looks like, uh, something from, uh, as you would find on a tombstone, eighth grade PowerPoint, the eighth grade PowerPoint. Uh, and that's probably all we could afford at that time. So they were showing the changes, but they depended on that. We really had our work cut out for us at the beginning of the show to try to explain all the different things that were going to go down in the show. And, and I think fans were confused. I'm sure many were upset. I'm sure many were just rolling their eyes saying, well, that's what we come to expect with WCW. But I think this is just another nail in the coffin for what we were for us. Because I always say that if you book something and you don't deliver, regardless of it is an injury or whatever it is, you're fucked. Uh, no shows are the worst thing that can happen in the business. Real life. How much were you missing Eric Bischoff by this point? Uh, real life. I was missing him a lot. When he first, when he first left the company, it was kind of a relief because I, you know, he was getting on all of us and I knew he was upset, but then after he left, uh, I thought, Ooh, and I like Bill Bush and Bill and I got along. I, as you know, I try to get along with everybody, but, uh, Bill just was, he was a bean counter. He was a, he had no creative juices. Backstage. We see Vampiro catching a beat down from uh crowbar and a couple of open hand slaps from the nature yeah. boys, loins, David. Yeah. Flair. All right. Way, so we've yeah. gone about five minutes into the show right now. And we still have, we still don't have a match. We're still trying to explain, explain the card, which is, it's just, it's not the right thing to do, but in light of what is going on here, it is the right thing to do. What's so what's interesting about this too. I don't know that we've stressed this enough. Billy Kidman's going to wrestle three times on this show. You saw the graphic earlier, triple threat theater. We got three Billy Kidman matches on this same pay-per-view. Mm. Um, as a reminder, the reason I brought up Eric Bischoff, he's been gone for four months and one week. He went home on September 10th, 1999. Of course, we're here January 16th, 2000, almost immediately, you know, they would slide, uh, Vince Russo into that spot in October. Uh, and you see how long that lasted here. We've already got everybody's upset and wanting to make some changes. And yes, there's going to be a cruiserweight match between Medusa and, uh, Oklahoma. This is real life. Well, that's entertainment, right? Well, we're going to find out. Let me say this. The Oklahoma character was obviously a, a, a knock on Jim Ross or, you know, because I, I don't think that uh, I may be wrong. I don't think Jr. I don't, you know, him from the podcast. I don't think he got along that well with Vince Russo. He did not. 
And so I think that was just Vince Russo's way of trying to get back. Uh, so now we've gone. Now we're finally getting some sort of match six minutes into this. Here's the after thing. The, uh, you know, Russo, uh, right after he leaves, he, he thought everybody was sort of jockeying for position and, you know, out to get him and but whatever. Right. Since then, I think, you know, he's a different guy. And I don't think that's necessarily the case. And I think that him and JR are just fine. Uh, but yeah, they are. They are just fine. But obviously this idea was less than awesome and was hurtful, not just to JR, but to Jim's wife. And I think that's probably the part that, you know, he struggles with is he he's like, you know, it's wrestling. They're just, you know, fucking assholes, whatever. Right. But when there's family involved asking questions, man, that puts you in a bad spot. Yeah, it, it did. And, but, you know, as the company guy, I was going to go ahead and, and do whatever they wanted to do. But and we'll talk more about it. The bad part about the whole Oklahoma thing was they, you know, they kind of made fun of the Bell's palsy. The good thing about the old JR, the old Oklahoma thing was that Ed Farrar was so talented and so funny. And, and uh, that's that's what made it uh, what made it entertaining. OK, here we go. First match for Kidman. Yeah. Against Dean Malenko, our old buddy. A catch is catch can match. It's only going to go uh, a couple minutes here. We should mention, by the way, that Jim Cornette's major issue with with Russo really came to a head because of this Oklahoma character. Oh, really? That Russo felt like you know he 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 could do that. Just annoyed the shit out of Cornette, and and he would say. I'm going to slap the shit out of him or something like that. Cause he mocked a friend of mine and that's the reason there, you know, there were threats of slaps and spits and everything in between if memory serves. Hmm. Okay. By the way, this match is described as two minutes and 36 seconds of a total screw up. Mm-hmm. Meltzer would say this was billed as a catch as catch can match. Originally the ropes were to be taken down for this match, but I guess they decided against it, but the rules remain the first man to leave the ring and hit the floor loses. They're doing some good wrestling. When Malenko had a mental lapse and went out of the ring, Tony Schiavone doing the announcing said that Malenko had left the ring. So he'd lost the match, but then they went back in the ring. Like nothing happened. Schiavone was making the point over and over. And you could see referee Charles Robinson, get the word. The match had already been declared over by the announcers. And he reluctantly rang the bell and declared Kidman the winner. This is where we are, ladies and gentlemen, on a motherfucking pay-per-view. Yes, we are. This is where we are. And in fairness, here's the thing. It's easy for everybody to point the finger at Malenko here, um, who is a consummate professional and one of the all-time greats when it comes to being an in-ring tactician and obviously a multi-generational wrestler. But if the ropes were down, it would be hard for him to forget. You know what I mean? Like if this was promoted as we're going to remove the ropes and make it a quote unquote legitimate wrestling match. And you know, out of bounds is out of the ring. There's no chance he's jumping out of the ring, but here it just, you get lost in the heat of the moment and it's just another silly stipulation. And that's it. That's the end of the match. But Kidman maybe has forgotten it. Certainly Dean Malenko has forgotten it. And now maybe Kidman's smarting him up saying, Hey, that's the end. Well, one thing I do remember is, uh, that when he rolled out and started walking towards the entrance way, again, we're not always told of what's going to happen. Sure. He's walking towards the entrance way. I'm thinking that's it. He's walking out and then he comes back in and the, the, they went, they, the, uh, 
I was told in the headset, I was being produced at that time, overly produced, that uh, the match is over. Make sure everybody knows that. So, yeah, this was a this is a clusterfuck. And it's it's bad because you feel bad for Dean Malenko. When's he ever made a mistake like that? Yeah, he and you could see what well, he mouthed right there to uh, to the referee. I forgot all about it. <laughs> but if the rope again, if the ropes were gone, it yeah. wouldn't have happened. Well, you know what? I don't know why they even would have put the stipulation up that the ropes put down the ropes because you put down the ropes it takes a long time to put them back up. Well, I think the idea was if the first match on the show starts with them down, mm-hmm. then you've just got to crank them up and you could have done some sort of backstage skit. But obviously when they were formatting the show with all these changes, they just said, oh, it's going to take too much time, leave them up. And then the performers just fucking forgot. And there mm. we go. Dean Malenko, one of the greats. Getting paid, uh, thankfully not by the hour, two minutes, 36 seconds. And we're done. You see the cage looming above us. And I think we're going to go backstage with Vampiro here. Yeah, man. I believe it's going to be, uh, Scott Hudson back here with him as well. This was one of Malenko's last events. Wasn't it for us? Did yeah. he leave He's right leave after the, the, leaves yeah. the next day? Right. Tells you to stick it right up your asshole. <laughs> uh, yes, he did. One, two, three crowbar goes down. From Vampiro. And now Buff can have, I love these signs. What are we doing here? We're supposed to be in the back with. So it was teased. Give everybody the uh, time cue here. Tell everybody where we are. Okay. Uh, I am at 1224, 25, 26, 27. A guy in a, a Red Wings jersey just went by. The baby blue version. How about that? Yeah. I know. So let's keep going and t- sort of tell you what's going on behind the scenes. Okay. I do feel like we should mention that, uh, you know, there's more to it than just Brett and, and Jarrett are hurt and injured. Um, there is a lot of moving parts here and I mean a lot. Meltzer would say it started when WCW was told, uh, officially late Thursday or early Friday that Hart's doctor had diagnosed severe migraines and inability to focus as a result of a severe concussion. And not only ruled out wrestling on the pay-per-view, but even being flown in for TV this week or doing any lifting Hart was hopeful. He would be able to fly to the LA and Vegas tapings at the 24th and 25th, but he knew he couldn't wrestle at either of those shows. And he was scheduled for another exam to determine an estimated time. He'd be medically cleared to wrestle that left WCW in a position without a main event and a world title match to headline the pay-per-view a few days later. Things were compounded when Jeff Jarrett contacted the company on Friday, saying he also had a concussion stemming from taking the splash off the cage from Jimmy Snuka the previous Monday and had water on the brain. So therefore he wouldn't be able to wrestle on his scheduled three matches against Chris Benoit. Just like that, the entire meat of the card, which was most likely going to do one or two, (laughs) one of the two worst buy rates in company history, rather was gone. The decision was made to strip Brad of the title and crown a new champ on pay-per-view. And Brusso's idea was to do a battle Royale or Royal rumble style match on the show and end with a surprise tank Abbott. Yikes. Did you hear that? That They were thinking about making tank Abbott the fucking champ. Yeah, I heard that. And who gave a fuck by that time? Meltzer would say there was a lot of internal unhappiness with Russo's booking and television for many weeks. And the belief was still that. He'd have to be given six months to prove whether or not his ideas would play out. Even though many in upper management were of the opinion, his concept of wrestling was not working and wouldn't work 
and his quick blow-offs of angles on television was doing pay-per-view and house show business no favors. And there were also complaints that the people featured the most on television during the TV shows, whether they're wrestlers or non-wrestlers, were people who were not going to be on the road, which is killing the house show business compared to the WWF, which would send every able-bodied wrestler on the road. And while the idea of making Abbott champion was not the reason for the demotion, it was symptomatic of destroying the foundation of the product and titles and Russo's change in concept of what pro wrestling is a concept not favored by those in management who wanted the soap operas in addition to good wrestling match. And I uh, felt that that was also based on their reaction. What the fans wanted since management had gotten such little positive fan reaction or positive feedback from the numbers and the product in recent weeks. The second guessing of the decision by Bill Bush, Bill Bush to hire him had gone back many weeks, not only due to what most wrestlers in the company felt, uh, was Kevin Sullivan trying to get the booking position by constantly pointing out why things weren't working, which in fact, for the most part, they weren't. So an interesting concept here that there is a contingent behind the scenes that says, well, we didn't give Russo enough time. Kevin Sullivan was just out for his job. What say you? Here's what I say about the whole mess. And as you're reading all this to me and explaining all this to me, it brings back a lot of, of bad memories, rightfully so, I think. And, but here's what I think about the whole mess. And here's why I think it worked with the WWE and it didn't work with us. Because there was nobody really in charge. Vince McMahon was in charge of his company. He was the owner. Buck stopped here type thing, but there was nobody really in charge of WCW. You could say Bill Bush, well, but, but Bill Bush wasn't really in charge. And, and that's the, that's the, the type of thing that, that lends to, uh, I don't know, um, maybe mutiny or people being upset because they look at Bill Bush and you know, he's not, he's not my boss. Ted, Ted Turner's my boss or, or, uh, Time Warner's my boss, and th that's what Vince would send all the guys on the road because that's the way it was done. He was the boss, and it just—I I just think that's the different. There was a difference in our company back then. No one was really in charge. Well, and that's going to continue to be the story. Meltzer um, would write the Abbott decision as well as the decision to make Oklahoma the cruiserweight champion and not change the tag team titles from David Flair and Crowbar basically rendering all those belts meaningless led to a showdown internally on Friday. So two days prior to this, there's a big showdown with Russo being removed from his final decision-making position. Russo who had 21 months left on a two year incentive based contract was invited to stay with the company as part of a booking committee, which would have included Kevin Sullivan, JJ Dillon and Terry Taylor, Bob mm. Mould, who had just quit the company a few weeks earlier because of frustration due to Russo. And he was having philosophical differences of what pro wrestling was and his ideas were generally not being used. He was also brought back. Kevin Nash, who Bush described as his best friend among the wrestlers was also given increased power as a liaison of sorts between the wrestlers and management, a decision that was not popular with what appears to be the majority of the roster. Although the heat on Nash was almost non-existent compared to that of Sullivan even though the company's track record when Sullivan had power was far better than when Nash had power. Roos had not, as of the weekend, declined the offer. The comments he's made during this period would lead to believe that he's leaning heavily towards leaving the company altogether. 
Both Farrar and Bill Banks, who Russo brought with him from the WWF to write and put together TV shows, agreed to stay with the company with diminished powers as TV writers. And Farrar still thought Russo would stay as a member of the committee, but not if Sullivan was on the committee. And Banks asked to be reassigned from writing television to working on the magazine and internet site, but was also talked into staying as a television writer. This is like the backstage soap opera is better than anything you guys were presenting on TV. It, it, you know what it's kind of like? It's, it's kind of like the NBA right now. The soap operas that, that happens in the NBA with fans throwing things on the, uh, on the court and players getting in fights and arguments with management, it's much better than the basketball game itself. And it is like a soap opera. And it was, uh, it was, it was a, just a, you know, I forgot all about Bill Banks until you brought up his name. By the way, wow. your boy. Mm, great, which, which one? Great close personal friend of the show. Mm-hmm. Who? Bruce Pritchard. Oh. He had fucking nothing nice to say about Bill Banks a few years ago. And I, really? I only met Bill a few times back in the day, and he always seemed to be a really nice guy to me. What was your experience with old Bill? Uh, my Bill, my, uh, I, I got along with Bill Banks fine. I didn't have that much uh, dealings with him. He didn't seem to be very uh, demonstrative. He didn't seem to be very... Uh, you know, guy that spoke up a lot. He was kind of quiet, but he was okay. Bruce didn't like him, huh? Now Bruce shit on him on a TNA podcast a while back. Or, mm. It was probably three or four years ago now, but either is way. Bank, is Banks still in the business? Yeah. WWE? He, he works with your mom. You know about that? With my mom? Yeah. I didn't know that. Mm. Check it Thank out. You. Okay. Hey, uh, <laughs> let's, let's keep it going. Let's talk a little bit about the whole Kevin Nash thing. That's fascinating mm. to me because Nash has been for better or worse. A lot of people would refer to him as a bit of a politician. Mm-hmm. And when he's described as being the best friend amongst the wrestlers to bill Bush, how does that strike you? It strikes me that he was, uh, very much maneuvering himself into that position. Very Kevin Nash, very smart guy. And when Kevin was a part of booking, he was very difficult at times because he always liked to cut and cut up and have a good time. And sometimes I thought, well, we weren't getting enough, enough done with, uh, with him. And, uh, he and I had a little words, not much. We, we, we glossed it over, but, uh, I, I just think that uh, Bill Bush, Bill Bush was the type of guy who, if you, if you stayed on him, he would make you a vital part of the company. He just, Does that he, make any sense? He was he was easily swayed. Sweet, squeaky wheel gets the grease. That's right. Well, that's what's so fascinating to me is it feels like you know backstage it's divided a little bit. Bill Bush is in power. Everybody knows that you know, things are not going awesome. So lots of fingers or finger pointing going around Vince Russo. You know, I do think that there wasn't enough time to know long-term how any of this would have played out, but certainly what we had seen so far was not very good, but anytime there's a booking change, it feels very abrupt to go, you know, give a guy October, November, December, and now you're out of here. I mean, it's just, yeah. that's not a lot of time to get anything done. Um, but either way, it's split a little bit. Should it be Russo? Should it be Sullivan? 
And then once Russo's out of the way, now it's, should it be Nash or should it be Sullivan? And that splits the guys again. Mm. And, and again, I go back to what you said. There was no one boss since everybody's sort of jockeying for position. You get these sort of false narratives and the idea that, that Kevin Sullivan was going to be bad for the boys is crazy because Kevin Nash was, was very, very vital to the things in WCW that worked really well, specifically as, as Eric Bischoff says all the time, quote unquote, booking heat with the NWO that had Kevin Sullivan's fingerprints all over it. Did it not? Oh yeah. Yeah. Kevin Sullivan booked some of the best, some of the biggest runs we've ever had. No one can deny that. And, and Kevin Nash booked the finger poke of doom. That's right. Uh, not worth, no, I'm taking sides here, but I, but I, under, I understand where you're coming from. There was a, there was a, a, a part during, I'm, I'm not so sure when this happened, but there was a time that I went to bill Bush. I was tired of Shivani in it. Okay. Right. I went to bill Bush and I said, bill, uh, we are, uh, we are rudderless. We just, or we are going every which way. And, and I'm really big into, uh, organization and continuity. I really am. And it's something that I, that I work on with AEW a lot too, that what happened on dynamite, let's make sure we talk about it on dark and what are we promoting for next week? And we were just all over the place. There were a lot of little things that went through the cracks. So I, I went to bill Bush. I said, bill, anything I can do to help organize what goes from booking committee to production and what booking committee wants or Kevin Nash wants or I can't even remember. It could have been, uh, I don't know who this was after Russo. I said, I would like to, uh, I would like to help out. He said, I appreciate you saying that. So we had a TV meeting and he said, uh, Tony, come up here. I want you to sit up here in the, in the front with everybody up here. And I want you to make sure everything's done right. And I'm thinking, Oh fuck, here we go. Tony Shimani is seen as a meddler and a politician, but I just offered my, my help in organizing because things were just chaotic. And I'm not talking about being a politician. I'm not talking about what's chaotic as booking. I'm talking about, for instance, the ropes being down or not being down. That probably was forgotten. It was just probably forgotten. Now you said they probably said, now let's not do it because it would take too long, but it was probably forgotten. And, um, well, sure messed up my day by talking about this shit of a show again. Well, sorry about that. Let's keep That's it. Sorry. Let's keep it going though. Let's keep it going. Next on the agenda was how to change the card. Numerous plans were throw, thrown around. Um, by Friday night, this is real. Mm. Randy Savage, whose contract expired on January 14th, was asked to replace Brett in the main event at the house show in Charleston, West Virginia against Sid Vicious. The plan on Friday afternoon seemed to be to put the title on Ric Flair at the pay-per-view where Arn Anderson would hit vicious with an object and give Flair the win in heel fashion, and then bring Hulk Hogan and Savage back to nitro on the 17th with Savage as a surprise on the pay-per-view. However, at a meeting with Hulk Hogan, who the original plan seems to be leaning towards before all this, where he'd return for a big singles match with a heel flare on February 14th in the unopposed nitro from the Nassau Coliseum. Both sides were too far apart on money. Hogan apparently expecting a similar deal to the one Eric Bischoff had cut him, which at one point his marketability did prove to justify it in no way does today. Savage management were also too far apart on money. Technically 
while putting the title on flair was strongly discussed, including the scenario where Anderson as referee would hit Sid with an object. It was never formally offered to him. And by the end of the day, the plan was decided not to waste the potential of a big quarter hour for flair's return on nitro for something that could be hyped for a month, debuting him on a pay-per-view that uh, was going to die no matter what. So the original idea is let's get savage when that doesn't go. Okay. We'll get Ric Flair. And when that doesn't go, well, we have to come up with something else. And the original card, which is being promoted everywhere that weekend, because a lot of this stuff was syndicated beforehand and taped ahead of time, right? Is Bret Hart and Sid Vicious, and then the three Benoit Jarrett matches. And at this point, there are no there's been no announcement made for the show, only that Terry Funk would announce a surprise challenger before the match. And the booking idea at this point went along the lines of Funk would then lose to Kevin Nash. He would take a reverse commissioner immediately. Then he would announce the top contender as Scott Hall, but it would turn out that Scott Hall was drinking in Orlando. And then Nash would say the number two contender gets the shot and declare himself the number two contender. And then he would beat vicious and become the commissioner and the champion Nash smartly turned that down. Feeling with his increased formal power, the last thing he needed to do without the rest of the wrestlers totally resenting him and morale going into the toilet was to become both television commissioner and world champion the very day it was announced he was in power. It's hard to believe that was even suggested, but apparently it was. And the decision was made, we'll go with Benoit, which WCW announced on the website on Saturday, but they didn't give any other update to the card. So if you ordered this pay-per-view based on what you saw on Raw, you had no idea and you thought, okay, we got Brett and we got Jarrett and we got a bunch of matches here with Brett and Sid and Jarrett and Benoit. And then if you checked out the website the day before you realized, okay, all that's out. And now we've got Benoit and Sid for the title, but no other changes announced. And yet somehow the loyalists still bought it. Unbelievable. It, uh, it's, it's mixing me up. You just reading all that. So many moving parts in this. It's hard to keep it all straight. By the way, we talked over a 10 minute and 32 match that got a star and a quarter of Impero wins a three-way over David Flair and Crowbar. Essentially, of course, Crowbar and David Flair were working together and we're in the back now and we see Tony Mama Luke talking mm-hmm. to, uh, Mean Gene. What do you think he's saying here? Yeah. Mean Gene saying, Hey, you two Mama Lukes and you dumbass over here. Here's what I want to know. Which one of you guys have the hose? Which one of you guys have the drugs? I'd like both. Don't you worry about it, Mean Gene. You're going to get fucked. You're going to get some blow. And this dumbass over to my right uh, who has a podcast. Uh, yeah, I'm Johnny the Bull. We're talking about Disco. And, yeah, Disco Inferno over here is a dumbass. He's got a podcast that they shit on him even years later. Well, I may have a big nose. Yeah, you got a big nose, motherfucker. And I'll tell you what. You may run a shoe show in Las Vegas, but I got the hose and I got the blows to so get the fuck out of here. You two, you little ball headed prick. Do they still, he and Conan still shit on us on their podcast. Her disco. Yeah. No, I mean, I, they may shit on you. Everybody shits on you, but no, I'll, I go on their show. I'm, I'm good with those guys. In okay. fact, I'm so good with those guys. I'd like to extend you an invite. An invite. Yes. You know, the super Four. bowl, the super bowl is coming shortly. Did you know right. about this? Yeah, yeah, I knew it. It's going to happen on February 2nd. Yeah, I knew that. Well, I'm not going, but what I yeah. am doing is I'm going to Las Vegas. And I'm going to spend the weekend, Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday night in Las Vegas. And I'm going to be with Cassio Kid, Corey Ryan Forrester, 
and gimmick attorney extraordinaire, Michael Dawkins. Uh huh. I'd like to extend the invite to you as well. Well, that sounds pretty fucking interesting. <clears throat> Hypothetically, one of your dynamite co-hosts may be joining us. Uh huh. Well, I know who that would be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. But by the way, that guy strutting in the ring right there, I think, uh, he'll be a part of a very big party that's happening for the super bowl. Okay. Yeah. I saw that a few years ago there and I thought, man, that was a good time. We might need to go back and check that out. Okay. So uh, let me get this right. When is it? February? What? February 2nd is the super bowl, but I'll be there the 31st through the third. Okay. And you're 30. invited. Uh, I might make that. Well, it would be tremendous. I might make that because, you know, when we come back, you know, where we're going to be on the fifth Huntsville, Alabama. Absolutely. I might make that. So it'll be you and me and, uh, Cassio, Corey, uh, gimmick attorney Dawkins. So two mm -hmm. professional comedians, I use that term very loosely and a gimmick attorney. Again, I use that very loosely mm -hmm. and potentially, uh, two thirds of my childhood voices. Mm -hmm. And and me, the Forrest Gump of wrestling. Mm. That's a good. That time. sounds like the where are you where do where do we plan to watch the game at a casino at a sports book? Um, or are we going to watch the game? Are we just go, going to go out there? We're definitely going to watch the game. There's a big party that happens mm. at a uh, at a place. Mm. <laughs> There's always a big party at a place. It's called it's called, Vegas. It's called Sapphire. Mm. Um, disco works there. Oh, so it's going to be a party there. Godfather works at another place that has a big party that we've been invited to. And I don't know, just feels like it'd be a good place to watch the big game. I've done it before. Yeah. Hmm. That sounds like a lot of trouble for an old man like me. Well, here's the thing you got to appreciate. I think the game out there kicks off at like three 30 their time. Mm -hmm. so you yes, could be, it does. You could be in bed by eight 30. You know, you wouldn't miss anything. You'd be on your same old man routine. <laughs> All right. And it's worth mentioning. If you'd like to, uh, see Tony with or without a hangover, just come on in to, uh, stand up live on February 5th. It'll be here before you know it. Tickets are on sale now. Supershowlive.com right here in Huntsville, Alabama. It'll be Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone and myself. Doesn't get any easier than this one for me. It's right down the road. It's going to be a big week. It really is. And uh, we look forward to going to the, what used to be the Von Braun civic center. It's now the Von Braun center. The Probst arena specifically is where you'll be. And, uh, you can watch live on uh, TNT, but you should jump in your car and come check us out at the uh, show afterwards. Stand up live, super show live.com is where you pick up your tickets. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, can I tell you how much fun I'm having back in wrestling again? And I hope it comes across that way on on Wednesday nights. That's a great point. Jr. Oh, here we go. No, no I, I was just saying, it's a great point that you're making that you're having a good time. <laughs> yeah. What I like is I, you can, I think, I think I'm talking a lot more on those shows. Oh, you are. You were very motivated this week when they put Dave Brown out there, you know, mm -hmm. when they, when they wheeled an old relic out there, you were like, Oh, this fucker might be here for my job. I better get to talking. <laughs> And you were very, very active. My phone was blowing up. Like, man, Tony's talking a lot. I'm like, yeah, they found another one to dust off. He's worried now. Got him looking over his shoulder. Hey, but I got, I got some, uh, some 
some great news that I'm very excited about coming up. I'm going to have a chance to do a couple of matches with Taz. That's going to be happening real, real soon. I believe. Yeah. Tony and Taz. I can't wait for that, man. Yeah. He's going to take your job. Yeah. I don't care, but here's the deal. He's, uh, I just, you know, since we have, uh, been doing this podcast and since we've been watching a lot of ECW stuff, I've become a big Taz fan. Oh, he's the best. Yeah. I, I think it's well known that I've become and just, um, I'm excited about working with him. I am. Hey, let me give you a gimmick. So when you see him. (laughs) <laughs> like in front of everybody as he starts to make the approach in the hotel or the, the meeting or wherever, make sure there's people around who can hear it. I need you to just yell, Hey, black towel Jones, <laughs> call him black towel Jones. Mm. He really likes that. Okay. Well, thank you. I can always depend on you to help me out in situations like this. He, he will not dump you on your head for that. I promise. Although he did recently remind me. Mm-hmm. Just because I can't bump anymore doesn't mean I can't bump other people. Mm-hmm. And then he said something like, watch your mouth, brother. <laughs> something like that. Oh boy. I get in a lot Did of trouble he? with him, as you know. Yeah, I know. No, anyway, I, I have, I'm, I'm really, really excited about him here. You know, the uh, Harris brothers for all their, uh, <clears throat> rumored, um, Nazism. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they could bump for some big guys, couldn't they? I, I have. I mean, jo- there were worse. There were worse big guys. I have jokes, but I feel like given our Tessa Blanchard news this past weekend, I should just keep going. Okay, I don't know. Listen, I don't know the Tessa Blanchard news. Go on, oh, you hit me. Oh, really? I don't. I'm not telling you shit, but I would say Google it because she was trending number two on Saturday, and that was during the playoffs. Hmm. Let's uh. Let's remind everybody that, um, <laughs> go ahead. I don't, I can't believe this is real. <laughs> oh boy. There's so many moving parts on this deal. Here we go. On Saturday, a group of what was believed to be 15 to 20 wrestlers were expected to confront Bush the next afternoon before the show and all as a group asked for contract releases as a protest against Sullivan being named Booker. Um, since Bush stated at a meeting that he took over as the man in charge, that if anybody was unhappy working in the company, he'd give them their full release being wrestling. What it is about half the group that promised to stick together the previous day had already changed their mind. And there didn't appear to be any hard feelings over that among the group that did risk their jobs. Being that the realization is if many wrestlers quit at once, they wouldn't be able to find that many new jobs and most had families to support. It wound up being, uh, Chris Benoit, Harry Saturn, Dean Malenko, Shane Douglas, Eddie Guerrero, Conan, and Billy Kidman going to Bush as a group, either asking for their release or for Sullivan to be taken off the booking committee. And Conan also said he was speaking for Hooventude and Rey Mysterio, both of whom weren't at the pay-per-view due to not being booked on the card. Uh, chat me up. When did hmm. you hear about this? Uh, I never heard about that. Even when it's happening, nobody came and said, by the way, all these dudes are trying to quit. No. Really? Yeah. All right. Glad we're doing this show. No, I'm, I'm, 
<laughs> I'm, I'm serious. I, I don't remember somebody coming and say, hey, all these people want to quit. I just thought that it was just the regular, you know, guys quit. I, I didn't think it was a, a whole group going to Bill Bush or a whole group going in on mass and doing that. I just thought it was people quitting. Meltzer would say Bush at this point was in a tough position since he had literally just given the job to Sullivan and a change due to pressure from the wrestlers would have in the long run left the company in chaos because the wrestlers, whenever they get unhappy, which is routine in this business, try would try the same strategy. If it worked once and might actually stick together. If it worked once, Bush was also said to be unaware that any of this was about to happen before it did. Mm-hmm. Or there was this much heat with Sullivan, which was not a good sign since it had already been reported as it was going to happen on several websites and at least one radio show by Saturday. Bush said to the first group before the pay-per-view, give me one week to smooth things over. Uh, but did not go so far as to say he would give them full releases in one week. If they were still unhappy at one point, Benoit was going to, since he believed he was leaving, not accept the title. The feeling was it was best for all concerned because his champion that had just been put over uh, with the title and gave him some leverage since nobody else in the group had a current top position. It does make one question. The decision to still give him the title after he asked for his release, but that appears to, appears to be management, you know, giving a feeling that maybe he's a mark for the belt and that right. Sullivan in the beginning would be politically for Sullivan's own survival under scrutiny be forced to push Benoit to the moon, despite whatever personal feelings there might be. I would ask what you thought about this, but you just said you didn't know it happened. I didn't. But what do you, how do you process that? Do you think he was giving the belt to Chris Benoit to just secure his own job? Was he doing it to win some, curry some favor with the boys who maybe were negative? Is this his way of proving, Hey, you don't have anything to worry about. Yeah. That that this was best for business. No, I think, I think he was doing that to, to show the boys. There's nothing to worry about. That that's what it, it's you know, and that's what it feels to me. Whether that really was the case or not, I don't know. But that's what it feels. You know, we we had there were listen. It's hard to explain, but there was so much shit going on. You you just you, you two things. You you had to worry about your own job, and I had to worry about you know announcing and putting together other TV shows and. And editing, you know, work, working with the producers, editing other TV shows that I didn't have the time nor the energy to get involved in the, who is the upset with who I, I didn't because it would just bring me down that, and I wanted to, I tried to stay away from all that shit. There were people who, you know, who talked to people and, and got the dirt and read the dirt sheets and internet and whatever. I stayed away from all that because it, it just upset me. And I didn't need to see that or hear that. So I stayed away from it. So when we had a lot of people walk out, I just wrote it off to, well, people leave and come and go and come all the time. I did not hear of a mass walkout, but there apparently was one, right? I mean, there was one. Meltzer would write Benoit being the most valuable member of the group. If he agreed to stay would severely weaken the group as a whole, there was no indication from anywhere in WCW that they were going to remove Sullivan as Booker and there were wrestlers in the group that Bush told afterwards very nicely that he'd be sorry to see them leave. There also appeared to be several attempts to weaken the solidarity of the group throughout the day, 
being that this is pro wrestling and groups sticking together has never been a strong trait in this business with very few true friends and a general me first attitude. Mm-hmm. Benoit was told he was aligning himself with the wrong people and that they had big plans for him. Nashville, Perry Saturn, a similar story, not to align himself with preliminary guys and told him that he deserved a big push and he'd work to get him a spot in the NWO. Kidman was promised a major singles push out of the cruiserweight level and into the United States title picture, which eventually broke him from the group In a similar divide and conquer action. Conan was the recipient of one of the scare tactics being told by Dylan after the pay-per-view that he was being sent home by management for the time being the other wrestlers. While some admired the guts of the guys were sticking together, were not unified totally with the general feeling that they were risking high paying guaranteed money contracts that they wouldn't be able to get anywhere else with only one company paying even comparable money and no guarantee that all would be able to get positions with that company, that the group wasn't being business smart to risk their jobs largely for what some outsiders perceived as nothing more than loyalty to Chris Benoit. I feel like that's something that isn't talked about a lot, but behind the scenes, everyone knew that Chris Benoit, for lack of a better word, it's stolen Kevin Sullivan's wife, right? Right. So if you're aligning yourself with the guy who stole the boss's wife, doesn't that maybe line up to be not the smartest decision? Well, one would think, but this is pro wrestling. <laughs> it's so weird to me, like <laughs> in, a, in a very conventional sense, if you work at a place and your best friend starts beating out the boss's wife. I might start distancing myself from him at work. If I felt like I was in the line of fire, but if they started promoting that guy who just beat out the boss's wife, well, uh, I'm going to figure out, well, I'm going to get me a cup of coffee and just figure out what's next, but I ain't going nowhere because <laughs> bad behavior is rewarded in this company. Uh, there's something I need to ask about all this. Let's first just, of all, hang on before first, we do, let's just get down the rabbit hole for a minute. Let's pretend for a minute that someone started hooking up with Linda McMahon. Uh-huh. You reckon Vince is going to put the belt on him. <laughs> I'm just asking. I, no, I doubt it. This, this is a fucking weird story, man. Is it not? <laughs> and by the way, as we're, we're talking over Oklahoma here, yeah. who is doing the world's worst JR impression. I can't believe but, this is real, but he's also not doing the, uh, he stopped doing the uh, bell's palsy. Look, he's still talking out of the side of his mouth though. And he's saying that no woman belongs in the ring with him. And any of you men out there that disagree with me or nothing more than a panty waste doing his best Jim Ross impression, but he's about to wrestle Medusa for the cruiserweight title. I can't believe this is real. By the way, that last match went nine minutes, 33 seconds. Not that you really care. Mm, don't No. And, uh, finish saw disco inferno turn on Vito, shoving him off the mm. top rope. He lands on Ron and gets the pin. And the gimmick, I guess here is the disco is against Vito and Johnny, but he screws up and keeps helping them out. And they think he's his friend. I didn't care. And no one else cared, but you're all about this. Are you not? Yes, I am. This is your favorite nitro girl and your favorite. I think this is, she wearing the, uh, Tampa Bay bucks Jersey of her husband at the time. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. Uh, I have a, a question about all this. I, I'm listening to you read all this from, from Dave Meltzer, which is very well written. It almost seems as if Dave Meltzer 
has a wiretap into Bill Bush's office, which we know he didn't. At least we didn't think he did. Or he's a fly on the wall in Bill Bush's office. What do you think of Medusa's outfit here? I like it. You like the top banner or uh, I like the, the kilt thing. No, I like the top. The kilt thing is kind of fun. Mm-hmm. American flag gimmick. Mm-hmm. It all would be fun. You know, I just noticed too. Mm-hmm. It's mad USA is Medusa. So she's got the American flag on because literally the last three letters of her name are USA. USA. Right. Made in the USA is what Medusa stood for. So anyway, because of so many politicians in the business and so who he said, she said, who do you believe? Who do you not believe? Who's telling the truth? How did Dave know what to print was right? I mean, he, he, he had to get his sources from of many, many different places. And the, how did he know what was correct and what was, it just seems odd to me. Again, unless he had a wiretap on what was going on, it's, it said the way he's writing that, the way you're reading it, it sounds like he knows verbatim what happened. D- does he really? Is there a part of the story that he doesn't know? Or how many people would he have to confirm on a certain story before he go with it as, as really happening? By the way, Ed Farrar is a TV writer here, and he's bumping his ass off for Medusa. With no, Ed, no Ed's a good guy, man. And his, uh, his tights, you know, while I didn't love the Oklahoma gimmick, and I think most agree it was in poor taste, they're doing a nice job with the logo on his tights, mocking the WWF logo. With, they're using the font for WWF on Oklahoma and OK, and then doing the little red swoosh underneath. Pretty well done. And he's wearing uh, cowboy boots. This is uh, putting yourself would they out be, there. Would they be Austin Hall cowboy boots, maybe? You think? Could be. See that much of a wrestling fan? He had Austin Hall boots. No, it's the only uh, boot. He's got oh, the I... sauce. The Nitro yeah. Girl wants it. Here we go. Yeah, come on. This is your favorite Nitro Girls. Oh, I love Spice. Spice and I were buddies. We uh, we rode to a different town, a couple of towns together. Did take her to any movies? <laughs> I did not. What movie would you like to see with her? With Spice? Yeah. Star Wars uh, Episode Nine. Mm. Wait a minute. I got a dog. I think it's going to pee on the floor here. Well, that'd be great. That'd be great. Hold on. Hold on now. One, two, three. And oh, Medusa, very self-conscious wants to get that mad USA back up over the butt cheeks and uh, Oklahoma celebrating. There he is your largest cruiserweight champion ever. And uh, gets a kick in the back for his efforts. There's a good girl. Woo. She's threw the belt on him. <laughs> oh, so, here man. you go. They're going to open the sauce. They should have peeled the fucking paper off ahead of time. Yeah, see that again. Vince McMahon would have made sure that was done. Yes, he would here, have. Here comes the sauce. Time to sauce it, baby. Uh huh. Oh, down the old, uh, down the old singlet. Oh, she's going to make sure she gets it on the McRib. Oh God. We should mention, by the way, that and you the can McCleaner. get Jr. Sauce delivered now. Jrsbbq.com. He's got, uh, the ketchup, the mustard, of course, he's got the hot sauce, the regular sauce, he's got the jerky, everything you need in your JR products, jrsbbq.com. The main event mustard is the best. Chipotle ketchup's over like we're over too. Yes, it is. 
There's Brian Knobs actually wearing a belt. How about that? It's the hardcore championship. What do you think, uh, Mean Gene's saying here? Brian Knobs, the hardcore championship. Is it true that you showed your asshole online and someone actually came up with it and showed it on YouTube? You have a big asshole. You want to know, Mean Gene? I do have a big asshole, but I'm not an asshole. There are a lot of assholes back here. And a lot of people are going to Melch and talking about this and talking about that, but I'm not one of them because I'm a good guy. Everybody likes me. I may look like a hardcore champion. I may have been a nasty boy, but fuck that. I'm a good guy. And yes, I got a big asshole, a big asshole. And I showed it. And you know what? There could have been a midget up in my asshole eating a donut. Who knows? Oh, love to see that midget up your asshole. By the way, I don't know if you saw, but uh great friend of the show. I think, I think he listens still kid. Chris called him years ago and uh, filmed it. Somebody right. got him his number and he called him on the show and started talking like he knew him. And of course, Brian wasn't sure, like, is this an old promoter or so Brian plays along for a little bit. And then he says, so, Hey, I saw a picture of your asshole. <laughs> Brian knows, okay. Something maybe is amiss. Right. And then he says something like, why is your asshole so big? And the line of my life, Brian knows immediately, immediately says, well, that's what happens when you win the belts. <laughs> <laughs> God damn. That's so great. <laughs> Shout out to kid Chris. Look him up on mm. Twitter. He's a good follow. Shout out to Brian knobs too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So let's get back to our shenanigans. We should mention. The Oklahoma mm. mess went two minutes, 56 seconds, got a dud rating. The match yep. we're about to see is a, a four way, I believe with Brian knobs, Dave Finley, Norman smiley and Ming. They're going to go six minutes and 11 seconds and it's a hardcore match. So you know what? We should probably just watch this one and have some fun with it. And then we'll talk about all the political bullshit later. Cause this you usually have fun with when you see guys that, you know, getting hit with inanimate objects. Yeah. And you know, if- we're watching uh, what happened uh, from uh, from Nitro, and odds are, knowing how we are, they didn't they they didn't even tell the catering people about this. They probably just went back there and shot it. That's pretty funny. Yeah, look at they could. Uh, they never knew what to do with Ming, did they? No, never knew what to do with him. Fans seem to be having a good time. I guess they're still expecting Bret Hart to come out. I don't know if we've announced that to the crowd. We should mention coming up next week here on the show, we're doing something really special. The 1992 Royal rumble. If you haven't already set your calendars, January 22nd, arguably the biggest and best Royal rumble ever on the 29th. We're hitting you with the 06 Royal rumble. And then on February 5th, the main event from 1988, Hogan and Andre on NBC record viewership for that one. But next week, man, people are looking forward to this. The 1992 Royal rumble, January 22nd. I'm looking forward to it as well. That's the Ric Flair winning the Royal rumble, right? Yes, sir. Can't wait, man. Brian knobs looks, this looks like Cassio kid coming into our hotel room <laughs> in Vegas. <laughs> oh God. Hey, can I get uh, Corey Ryan Forrester to pay for my airline ticket? Oh, well, we're, we're both diamond. So we're to that level now. Yeah. 
Hey, uh, seriously, you're getting flown every week. Don't you have a lot of miles built up by this point? Yeah, I've been using them though. Well, then use them to come to Vegas. What the fuck? No, um, I'll, I'll, I'll come. All right. I, just, I, I gotta get, I gotta get somebody to do the basketball game for me. But I think I can. I think I can get somebody. I'm gonna get some uh, Mellow Yellow Zero out there. We're gonna make a party. <laughs> See what Oh, which, which reminds me, I was in Alabama this weekend, this past weekend. What? I was in Alabama. You didn't say shit to me. Yeah, I was in Auburn, Alabama. Oh, I ain't going there. Yeah, no one is. And I was trying to, uh, I was trying to, uh, leave before the storm hit <clears throat> as we had a big storm, as you know, in this part of the country. And I go to a, I go to a, a convenience store in Alabama, rural Alabama, right off the interstate. And guess what they had in the cooler? Mellow, mellow, mellow yellow fucking zero. How about it? You can't find that any cooler in Georgia. It's like it doesn't exist, but there it was looking at me. So is it, this is a four way, right? This is not, it, it almost looks like it's tag team it's the way they're doing it. Four way. But okay. I think they've made allegiances ahead of time. Well, I mean, the uh, fit Finley and, uh, and, well, uh, Brian Hobbs are dressed alike. It's a singles belt though. Right. <clears throat> Smiley and Ming turned against each other right away. So the mm -hmm. idea was definitely that. You know, Nobbs and Finley were going to try to team up, but that's not going to happen because mm -hmm. it's every man for himself. They all want that piece of shit title. <laughs> Who was your favorite WCW hardcore champion? It was Norman Smiley because the way he would scream. So you love it when a private party and they're getting chopped back and forth mm -hmm. and we hear the high pitched squeals, right? Mm, I, I guess. Okay. Never mind. I thought you watched the show. Probably slept through that part. <laughs> You're, uh, I mean, this is a real special title here. We're talking about this hardcore championship in WCW. Norman Smiley, yeah. Brian Nobbs, Bam Bam Bigelow, Brian Nobbs, Shane Helms, Evan Courageous, and Shannon Moore at the same damn time. Brian Nobbs, Terry Funk, Shane Douglas, Terry Funk, Eric Bischoff, hmm. Big Vito, and Johnny the Bull at the same damn time. Big Vito, Lance Storm, Carl Ouellette, Norman Smiley, Reno, Crowbar, Terry Funk, Ming. Can you believe Terry Funk held this fucking thing three times? Yes, I can believe that. But in reality, now I didn't know what was going on in ECW, and ECW was certainly at its end by this time in 2000 or near the end. I, I, I couldn't... Uh, Based on fans watching ECW stuff, this was kind of mild, wasn't it? Based on oh, what ECW yeah, dude, would do. They're each other with cookie sheets and shit. I just think yeah. it's funny that Brian Nobbs and Terry Funk held the same belt the same amount of times. No matter what belt it is, when you just say that out loud, you're like, nah, fuck out of here. Come on. <laughs> what? Woo. Oh. By the way, my uncle was a huge Norman Smiley fan. He just wanted to see the big wiggle. Mm, that was cool. Norman, uh, Norman had a little bit of, uh, comedic timing about him. Here we go. This is what fans love to see go in to the fans. You know, I just was assumed when I saw that guy in the front row with the outsider shirt, with the cutoff sleeves, mm -hmm. with the tattoos right here, I just assumed, oh, well, they're definitely in Florida. Look at that fucking guy. Nope. Ohio Cincinnati. Yeah. 
So Dawkins may have been here looking for shit to trademark in the upper deck, <laughs> trying to get Wi-Fi. Hmm. How's he doing for us, anyway? Is he doing? Is he doing good work for us? I don't know. Their accounting huh? department left me alone, so I guess it's going good. Yeah, that's that that that's always. If he's if you're not getting billed, he ain't doing shit. You know. Well, I mean, there for a minute. You know, we did so much so fast that when the, the invoice came and it was like the equivalent of a goddamn fully loaded forerunner, I was like, what have we done? <laughs> we got, we got to slow down so I made a few calls and rounded up the uh, wagons and said, Hey guys, uh, whoa, they're moving into a brand new office in Toledo. Why? Jesus Christ. I mean, seriously, it's going to be like. I'm sure his office has a plaque for me and Cody out front now. Well, I'm sure it does. Hell, it's got a bar downstairs. What sucks though, is that, you know, when, when Cody got him scared into fucking trademarking everything they ever did ever in Stanford, they should have sent that business to Dawkins too. Cause he earned it. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you saw, but they went on like a trademark spree a couple months ago where it was like, yeah. here's every show we ever did renew them. <laughs> Oh God! So coming coming soon to the WWE Network, uh, it ain't Seinfeld 2020 <laughs> and Big Ass Extreme Bash 2021. Jesus Christ! What? What a fucking business! Head to the dick! Head to the dick! <laughs> There's that big wiggle we needed. I need that dance. Look at the dance is over. Oh. That's what's crazy about wrestling. I don't know if you saw, but they're hitting each other with every weapon possible and the crowd, no reaction. No, he does a little dance in place and man, hands go up all around the arena. Mm -hmm. It just goes to show you that you got to listen to the audience. I don't know shit about wrestling, but if you just watch the crowd, you can see what they're reacting to and what they're not. And that little dance, man, that shit was over. And thankfully this match is over. Brian knobs is victorious. Well, they didn't go all over the place like they should have. Well, they're I mean, probably worried they would run into a new booker. <laughs> but they just, you know, they just showed footage of them uh, in Nitro going back and catering. And you think that, you know, to keep up that, they would go backstage and do something. They did nothing. Well, anyway, how many stars does this thing get? Wow. You want to guess? Uh, two. Star and three quarter. You were real mm. close. That's real close. Yeah. Yep. Well, there you go. The hardcore champion, Brian Nobbs. There was a time. I, I don't know if I ever brought this up on this, on this podcast or not. There was a time where they were hitting each other with trash can lids. Yep. And hitting each other with, with, uh, aluminum cookie pans or whatever. And it, it was apparent that it was just making a big sound and it was apparent it wasn't hurting anybody. And the reason it wasn't hurting anybody is they weren't selling it that much. So I made the comment that these trash can lids and cookie sheets are making a big noise, but they're not really hurting these guys that much. And Dave Meltzer apparently said, because somebody told me, I think Scott Hudson told me, because Scott read everything Dave did, told me that Meltzer said, why would Shivani even say something like that? Well, the reason I said something like that was it was apparent. I, I, it was a, I, I couldn't in my, I, I could, I just couldn't 
sell it anymore because it it would go wank and the, and the fans would go woo and the guy would just kind of stumble and come right back. If it was really hurting him, he'd fall down. So I'm got that off my chest. Do you, you understand what I'm saying? I just sometimes, sometimes all and sometimes no. all that hardcore. Yeah, all some of that, all that hardcore in the and Cape Fabe is is not dead yet. And some of that old hard all that hardcore stuff to me just was just noise and it lost its effect. But the fans would react to walk the sound of the trash can lid because it made a great sound. Well, then you should have told everybody to stop slapping their fucking legs too. You should have said, oh, that super kick didn't hurt. Go kick your little sister in the face. If you're at home right now and you're 12 years old, Bet it don't make a big noise like that. But you know what does when you slap your leg, Fit okay. told me at the water cooler last okay. week that this generation is going to have calloused thighs, okay. not cauliflower ears, cauliflower okay. thighs. Okay. All right. I should have never gone sold there. Should have, shouldn't have Shivanied. I should have just shut the fuck up. Your job was to sell it and you shit on it. I should have just shut the fuck up. Now I'm glad you're here. <laughs> oh, uh, Billy Kidman's second match. Remember the first one, Dean Malenko ran out of the ring, lost, got pissed off. By the way, oh, by the uh, go ahead. <clears throat> yeah. Hey, you go ahead. I was going to say something about my friend, Dean Malenko, who you've misaligned whoa, my, whoa, whoa, whoa. I hey. have, you have missed, you have misrepresented and misaligned my relationship with the great Dean Malenko. Hey, buddy. And okay. they don't mean that y'all got in a brawl and catering. That's a lie. No, that's a lie. You, you a lie. I, I'm not a lie. That's you what a lie. happened. You a motherfucking lie. I didn't get in a brawl and catering Dean Malenko because he's old and I beat his ass. But, 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 brother than that, Dean and I are friends. So I just want to put that out there. I just want to tell the truth here. Mm-hmm. That's not what happened. <laughs> you alive. Ask anybody who was there. Yeah. Okay. Seriously, ask anybody who was there and they will tell you for sure that no. you and Dean Malenko came to blows. Mm. I think it was early December. So as we're talking now, roughly six weeks ago, and I'm glad to hear that you guys have tried to patch things up, but don't you go fucking pissing up my leg and tell me it's I, raining. I'm pissing up your leg and telling you a lie. I would never fight. I would never go to blows to anybody in catering unless it was for the last piece of pumpkin pie. I told, I was told that you got up in his face and said something like, don't start no shit. Won't be no shit. No, you a lie. And whoever told you that's a lie. I feel like okay. we should mention that, um, two guys who thought they were a part of this big coup to jump from the WW, WCW to the WWF. Or Shane Douglas and Conan, but both had histories in the WWF and it wasn't exactly all that awesome. So yeah, hmm. that doesn't work out. So they didn't go, they didn't go, they didn't go and Meltzer they thought even, they were. And Meltzer would did. even say that some of the guys like psychosis and Malenko and Guerrero probably need to think about going because they're going to be put into uh, a situation, perhaps like Kai and Ty, where there's great wrestlers, but because they're not the biggest guys, 
They just give them a sort of funny, ha ha throwaway act. not a meaningful role within the company. And Meltzer would say for that matter, even Benoit isn't a sure thing for that very reason. Although it's hard to believe he couldn't run with the rock Helmsley and or Austin very quickly for the angle to work. New Japan has shown so many times it's better to get that relatively quickly because a traditional slow build would negate this particular angle. The idea being that you got to throw him right into the deep water with the big dogs, or they won't perceive him as being at that level. And that turned out to be the case. It took a while. You know, he makes the jump here in 2000, doesn't become their champion until 2004. So it takes a while. Mm -hmm. We should also mention that Jeff Jarrett and Scott Steiner also went to Bush, not so much in protest to Sullivan. But to express their feelings that Russo hadn't been given a fair shake. And we know Jeff Jarrett was definitely loyal to Vince Russo. I don't know much about the Scott Steiner Vince Russo relationship. What can you tell us about that? I don't know anything. I know Scott Steiner feels that his best run as a singles competitor was when he was named Big Papa Pump, and that came from Vince Russo. That's the only thing I can tell you about that. That 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 seems to me would be the reason that Scott would go to him. I mean, Jeff Jarrett was obviously Russo's guy, but Big Papa Pump, Scott Steiner felt Big Papa Pump was there and uh, was the big reason he was a champion and was the best time he had in this the business, and he credits Russo for that. It's crazy to think that the two guys were watching in the ring right here, literally mm-hmm. earlier in the day tried to leave Hmm. and here they are on pay-per-view both being recruited and pulled in different directions kidman being promised a u.s title run nash saying he'll work on getting perry saturn a spot in the nwo we should mention the next day before nitro bush met with the revolution members and benoit and uh, it's written by this point while nothing was final it did appear that kidman's support of the group was wavering and neither guerrero or conan were at the show Bush promised to compromise saying he wasn't going to fire Sullivan from the company because he's got a family to support, but he suggested that Sullivan be made the booker of the WCW Saturday night show. And the wrestlers were told they would never have to work the Saturday night tapings if they stayed. And thus Sullivan would have no power over their booking. He also asked the group who they thought would make the strongest booking team. And they suggested Terry Taylor, Arn Anderson, and Vince Russo. And the meeting ended amicably with what they thought was a compromise deal. Later in the afternoon, Bush called him in for a second meeting and told them all except Benoit, who the TV show was scheduled to be built around as the new world champion, that they were being sent home, perhaps partially because the group had filed a complaint with the human resources department of time Warner against Mm -hmm. the road agent, Mike Graham plan was that the heel commissioner Nash was going to force Benoit into three title defenses on the show with Brian knobs, Lex Luger, and a third person whose name we're not sure of. And Benoit was going to win all three matches. So clearly they're trying to play to his ego and giving him the monster push to break away from the group, which would break the opposition to Sullivan and management felt this was going to work because there didn't appear to be any major hesitation in putting the title on Benoit the previous day. Benoit instead said if they're being sent home, he was leaving and that they were together as a group. And when Bush threatened that if he left with the group, he'd be stripped of the title. He didn't hesitate and saying he was staying with the group. And at this point. If they all wanted their full release for the company because they needed to get rid of Sullivan. 
So the report is that Benoit threw the belt in a garbage can and stormed off before Nitro started, but that's incorrect. He's saying they stayed backstage for some time before the company got them new plane tickets home. And then Benoit just handed the belt to Nick Patrick before leaving. Sounds like to me, sounds like to me, Melter had everyone's phone tapped. How it he's talking as if he was, that he was standing back there when all this happened. Well, he's getting calls from multiple guys, giving the scoop, not you. Uh, but, Fuck you're oblivious. No, you're goddamn right. But it's best to be oblivious. It's fucking best to be oblivious. This bullshit. You can't do your job. If you're listening to everybody chirp. 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 I should mention mm. the, um, the HR thing with Mike yeah. Graham. We've talked about that a little bit. When did yeah. you first hear that story here on the show? Yes. As sure you, did. As you may remember, allegedly Mike Graham goes to Benoit and says something like, man, I don't, I'll tell you this. If the roles were reversed and I was Kevin and I'm paraphrasing, but supposedly he said something like if I was Kevin Sullivan and you stole my wife, I wouldn't put the belt on you. I'd put your fucking head on a stick. Mm-hmm. And then of course they told HR and boom, that's all she wrote. Hmm. Yeah, but Mike got fired for the uh, blacktop bully thing. Yeah, he was brought back by that point. By this point, he was. Yeah. Okay. All right. Mike was a very volatile guy, and he came from the old school shit, you know, with his dad and Booker's ruled everything, and it was. Did you see Kidman's head hit the? Right there. Fuck. Sold the head too. Sold the head. He did. He reached in. <laughs> if you go to Vegas, I'm gonna get somebody to sell the head. <laughs> oh boy, that's good. So when are we going? Oh, oh, wait a second. We've got to. Uh, when are we? When are you coming back from Vegas? On Monday the third. Which means we either got to do our uh, podcast before or do it during. And the last time I. Uh, <laughs> you agree. You got obliterated. So <laughs> yeah. And then we had a lot of people leave. Didn't want to listen to me anymore. After they said Shivani was too fucked up to do the podcast. Fuck. Well, speaking well, of, there's 52 shows a year. Speaking of, uh, fucked up. That was a fucked up spot. By the way, we should mention, we figured out something for Patreon. We're doing our big low key, big hog get together weekend in April. Am I right? That's right. The last weekend in April. We sure are. Billy Kidman gets the win there. Mm-hmm. So mark your calendars. If you haven't already, I guess it's April 24th, 25th and 26th low key, big hog get together here in Huntsville, Alabama. I can't believe you're coming back to Huntsville again. I thought I would what? have to travel, but I, I'm grateful. No, I, you know, I thought we had really, I was thinking about it and I, I said something to Dave about it, that, uh, we had such a good time in Huntsville last time. Why change it up? We did. We had a lot of fun in Huntsville and, uh, Huntsville's small town, small city, so to speak. And, uh, I had a great time, a lot of things to do. And, uh, maybe if we're lucky, they're going to, uh, rocket city wrestling will be running that weekend too. <laughs> oh, here's what we but, need to do. We need to get game changer wrestling to come run here. Yeah. Why not? I'm just saying, can you imagine? Tony Schiavone in the middle of a 
Mance Warner WCW reunion show and mm-hmm. Nick Gage comes out and staples Effie's underwear to your head and Chris Dickinson picks you up and Schlack gives you a table shot. And just be Chris good. Dickinson's not going to do shit to me. You're a Chris Dickinson fan? No. I work for a major wrestling company. They ain't going to do shit to me. Oh, really? Yeah, really. I have it on good authority. Look at this shit. How about this? Suckers got to know. I'm going to play the audio from this. Okay, just lay please. Out. You know it, man. I'm down for now. See you later, baby. You'll be good. All right. Yeah, yeah, home. That's where I am. You know, Booker T, I hope I got your attention. I know you're wondering, what am I doing here? I mean, check out the mother, man. You know, this is where we come from. You know, look at this. A lot of people might think this is just a lot of boxes, shoes, or whatever thrown together. No, this is somebody's home. This is the ghetto. This is where I come from. This is what I'm proud of. And I know this is what you want to forget. But I ain't gonna, never going to let you forget. So this is what we are. Uh, not too much, brother. How you been doing, man? Same old, same old. I don't know, man. How you doing? What's up, dog? What's up, man? 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 What's man? What's up, 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 man? Yeah. But hey, you know, that's all good, man. We're going to go to the ball later. You know what I'm saying? You the man, you the man, Steve. See that Booker team? You the man, dog. Forgot about them, huh? Them your boys, them your friends, your real friends. The friends you forgot about. But I ain't going to never let you forget that. You know, Booker T, uh, you remember this barbershop? Yeah, we used to have a lot of fun in here getting our hair cut. Getting our fades. You know how we used to do it? With Mr. Harris? still active about you. You know what he wants to know? Where are you, man? Why you don't ever come around no more? Well, you know, I told him the same thing I told every other brother around here on the hood, man. You ain't got time. What I said to you Monday, that was from my heart. That was real. You remember that. You turned your back on the hood. I'm turning my back on you. You turned your back on the hood. I'm turning my back on you. An interesting vignette to prove that uh, Booker T has forgotten his roots. Here he is with Stevie Ray. What do you think Mean Gene's saying right now? Uh, Stevie Ray, you just talked about being in the hood and uh, Booker T turned his back, but you were wearing a Mercedes-Benz hat. Yeah, that's because I went there in a Mercedes-Benz. So what do you think about that, sucker? I drive a Mercedes-Benz now because I took Bill Bush for all the money in the world that he had. And the fact is that I... Can't work as well as Booker T, but I still make a lot of jack. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I did wear that hat because suckers got to know. You understand? Didn't it look fucked up to you? Did you just fart? No, it's my chair. Sure it is. No, it is. I've never heard an old man fart, but I sound, I assume it sounds like an old creaky chair. (laughs) You never heard your dad fart? My dad doesn't do that. Oh, your dad doesn't fart? No. We're a classy family. Right. What does that mean? Well, it means you're full of shit is what that means, but that's common knowledge. Let me tell you what we're not full of here in the Thompson family. Credit card debt. The holidays are over and it's a brand new year. And if you're thinking about high interest rate credit cards that you use over the holidays and well, all those bills are going to start coming. Here's an idea to ease your mind, pay off your credit card balances and save with a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream. 
You can roll multiple credit card payments into just one payment at a lower fixed rate. And it's worth mentioning that Lightstream's credit card consolidation loans have rates as low as 5.95% APR with auto pay. And that's much lower than the national average. Your interest rate nationally is over 20% APR, but Lightstream, we're going to get you a great fee. And we also believe in no fees, no application fees, no origination fees, no transaction fees, no prepayment penalty fees. Easy for me to say. The application, it's quick and easy. Dude, you can even do it from your phone. And Lightstream believes that people with good credit deserve a better loan experience. And that's exactly what they deliver. And I'm telling you, I've used this before myself. I've told this on the show many, many times back in 2014, I believe. I bought a car using Lightstream.com. I was approved in minutes. They overnighted me a check. I got to shop like a cash buyer. Uh, But if you've got credit card debt, they can make your experience just as easy. And now for our listeners, you can apply now and get a special additional interest rate discount. Now, the only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash win W H E N that's L I G H T S T R E A M.com forward slash win. Of course, subject to credit approval rate includes half percent auto pay discount terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash win for more information. And if there's one thing you and I can agree on, Tony, is mm-hmm. there's no such thing as good credit card debt. You need to get rid of that stuff. Why not do it cheap and easy, especially if you've got good credit lightstream.com forward slash win. And we see uh, Booker T wearing a top here. He's got a second and Stevie Ray here with his uh, black and silver on. I guess this is as, uh, old school as it gets, huh? To have brothers wrestling each other, taking, taking each other toe to toe. Man, midnight was. She'd be a uh, tussle worthy for you. Whew. I think she'd break it off in you. <laughs> I think she would be saying, I'm going to stand up in old Tony Schiavone. <laughs> stand <laughs> up in him. By the way, this match is going to go six minutes and 30 seconds. Uh, it's mm. going to get a quarter star Ooh. and, uh, there's going to be something interesting happen here. Oh, okay. Can't wait. I can tell you're pretty excited about it. I am. I'm it's in, uh, as you can tell, the fans are not excited about much in this match. Fans are not into anything here. By the way, we should mention that this pay-per-view has a lot of paper. Meltzer would even describe it as heavy papering, mm-hmm. uh, but it does have a, uh, a sold out house of 14,132 fans. So we're calling it sold out because there's 14,000 and change here, mm-hmm. but only 7,000 paid for their tickets. The gates, $238,000, $45,000 in merchandise, which these days would be like eight replica belts. <laughs> You know, you always had to be, I, I always thought, tell me if I'm wrong. You're wrong. I always thought that you had to, you had to be careful about papering. I mean, yeah, you wanted to paper cause you wanted a big crowd, but if you had 7,000 papering, then the 7,000 people who bought their ticket, more than likely, a lot of them are going to get wind of it and they're going to get pissed off that they paid for it and everybody else got in for free. I always thought that that was kind of a, a fine line there. 
Yeah. You set a precedent that you don't have to pay for tickets and then it's hard to come back and sell them. Mm-hmm. Sure is. And Cincinnati was always a, well, it was, you know, Cincinnati was a great crock in town. What's the was name? this a no disqualification match or well, did the referee just turn his head? It's a singles match, but there is going to be a DQ. Mm-hmm. Cause he just got thrown over the top rope. Oh, this isn't Bill Watts era. What the fuck? That's not illegal anymore. <laughs> okay. Well then what are the rules? We had no rules. Oh Jesus. We had no rule. You got to have rules, right? By the way, I told our gimmick attorney mm-hmm. that you, um, you were in. Yeah. He said, is this real life? At this time tomorrow, I'll be itching to go back for now. Mm-hmm. I need some goddamn sleep and to wash all this glitter and regret off of my clothes. What? <laughs> what? He yeah. wrote that. Yeah, he's returning from a trip to uh, Sin City oh. himself this weekend. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I said, hey, we should go watch the Super Bowl, he was first in line. Right. I'm telling you, we got to get in that that attorney racket. Boy, you know, it's a racket. I'm just saying. He's just, he travels around wherever he wants to go and yeah. sponsor stuff. He's got a Louis Vuitton fanny pack. Oh, I'm sure he does. Like wh- what? What is that? By the way, they call it a bum bag, which really tickled Casio. Like, yeah, you're a bum, but you can afford this $1,500 backpack. Like, no, no, that's in Europe. That's your bum. And they think you're supposed to wear it on the back. Never mind. But of course, Dawkins is all fired up. He can't wait mm-hmm. to show you his mm-hmm. Louis Vuitton fanny pack. You're going to get one. No shit. No, you could piss away money better than that. Well, how are you going to do it? How are you going to piss away money out there? Me? Yeah. Just buying drugs or whatever. Mm, no, I'm not. I'm not going to buy drugs. You shouldn't. Drugs are bad. Okay. They are. As a matter of fact, if I'm with you, I usually don't buy anything. <laughs> <laughs> that man, that man will be paying today. Which one? The big guy over here. You know, I've never, I don't know what it feels like for someone else to pay. It happens so infrequently. Mm-hmm. I know. And if, and I, I feel guilty about no, you don't. You, to pay. You brag about it here on the show. I feel good. If I, if, if I offered to pay, I'll, I'd feel bad about it because I know you want to. And I don't want to make you feel bad. So that's why I don't pay. And you and Dawkins, shit, we're covered for a whole week if we want to be. And you know that dumbass Casio ain't gonna pay for shit. And I doubt if Corey Ryan Foster makes plenty of money, Nyquil Pete's not gonna pay for shit either. I, I don't know if you're allowed to talk about this or not, but it finally came out over the weekend that uh Brian Cage had signed with all elite wrestling. Mm. You have a comment on that? No, I don't. I figure you would. Sure. In the belly of the beast. <laughs> What's funny is I feel like a lot of people are really surprised by that, but then it's like, aren't you paying attention? Mm. Well, it's a, uh... Hey, what'd you think of, since you don't want to talk about AW, and I get that. What'd you think about, uh, coming out that Marty Skrull is now re-signed with ring of honor and is the booker of ring of honor. 
That's probably the only way they could keep him, wouldn't it? Give him the book. I'm just saying. That would be my feeling. Wouldn't that be? Here's the thing. Wouldn't that be a great gig? Let me, let's run this past you. You're going to work 40 days a year. Mm-hmm. You're going to make a lot of money. And oh, by the way, you get to decide what you do. Mm-hmm. Fucking sign me up. Yeah. That'd be good. Good for him. Calling his own shots, baby. That's it. And of course, as we know in pro wrestling, bookers have no heat. And who does have heat? What's this? What the fuck? You're not in the loop on this? Oh, yeah, that's uh That's big T. That is Fuck it is. Ahmed Johnson. Yes. And the crowd is chanting Ahmed, and he looks uh-huh. like he ate Ahmed. <laughs> They're calling him uh, Big T here. Uh-huh. He's from their past. Watch out. Tony Norris, by the way. Is Tony the- Norris? Yeah. His real name. Booker T really stands out head and shoulders here. Does he not? Mm-hmm. So this match only got like one and a half start. Did anything get any good, any good ratings at all on this? Nope. By the way, he's cut by April. Who Ahmed is. Yeah. He's out of here. April. Let's get uh, a quarter star next up. Got a one star match, then a three and a quarter star match, then a three quarters of a star, then a two and a half star, and then a two and three quarter star. Hmm. So I'm looking, for, I'm looking forward to that three and a quarter star match. I don't think you are. That may have, they may have to stand. That probably stands out on this one. I think what you're looking forward to is the next one. Hmm. It's uh Tank Abbott and Jerry Flynn. Well, what's wrong with that? Hey, so no, Tony, no, nothing. It, it'd be great. It'd be great. When's the last time you took a Benadryl? Uh, I can't remember the last time I took a Benadryl. Why? Well, I got a haircut this past week and felt a little itchy after. And I told the wife, let's take a look. And she said, oh, you do have like some bumps on your neck. That's weird. Maybe she used something different at the, uh, the lady who cuts my hair. I'm like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I took a Benadryl. Dude. Mm-hmm. That little pill knocked my big ass out, son. Yeah. Uh, drowsy ain't the word. I slept like the dead. Yep. Like, I don't think I need Tylenol PM ever again. Not that I'm a regular user, but sometimes if it's like, oh, I can't sleep, I'm sick. I'm just going to take a Benadryl. Holy shit, man. You should try yeah, to put you, giving one of those to Lois. Just see what you can get away with. And if you haven't, if you hadn't had a Benadryl before, it'll, it'll, uh, it'll take care of you. It is a, uh, it's quite, it's quite, you ever tried Zequil? I tried some Zequil last weekend. Yeah. I, I couldn't get up. Like your penis? No, couldn't get up out of bed. Oh. So it paralyzed it, you. Yeah, it was like it was Ezekiel was like melatonin and uh and lavender and something else. There was no drugs in it, but just I mean no uh well, I guess melatonin's a drug, but they said you won't feel drowsy in the morning. They were right. I didn't feel anything in the morning. It wasn't until the afternoon when I finally got out of bed. Zequil with melatonin. Yikes. By the way, if you Google yourself right now, Tony Schiavone, 
Yeah. The suggestions are AW podcast, WCW, Starbucks, wife, Dean Malenko, age, Twitter, net worth. I'm fascinated by net worth. I'm clicking it. Holy shit, dude. <laughs> is it nothing? No, this is okay. unbelievable. Cause I can dude. tell you what it's worth. No, no, this is it's outstanding. Nothing. No, no. Me, this is celebrity celebrity celebs trending now.com. Uh huh. This is outstanding. Congratulations, dude. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. No, I'm being sincere. Yeah, you, you've never been sincere on this podcast. According to Wikipedia, Forbes, IMDb, and various online resources, famous sportscaster Tony Schiavone's net worth is $19 million <laughs> at the age of 61 years old. He earned the money from being a professional sportscaster. He is from Virginia. Boom. God damn. That fucking Tony Khan. That's some serious jack right there, buddy. I got to get me a check. Some serious press as well. Sixteen million dollars. I need ten percent of that. I was <laughs> you your said, agent on that deal. You said nineteen first. Okay. It went down. It went down three million. All right, it's thirteen. No, it's nineteen. No, no it's Google, nine. Google yourself. It says nineteen. I'm, it's I don't go, I'm not googling myself. Okay, I'm not fucking googling myself. It doesn't hurt. Yeah, I don't care. I ain't googling. You won't even feel it. I don't give a shit. Just I ain't googling still. myself. Just hold still. I'll do all the work. I'll, we, we go to, we go to, we go to Vegas and we get drunk and eat some edibles. I still ain't Googling myself. Dude. I can't believe this is real. <laughs> I just texted it to you. Congrats. I don't want to see it. Congratulations, dude. Thank you. Well, you know what? If I was with, worth $19 million, Lois Shivani wouldn't be fucking around. There it is. You hear my, my, my I hear, yeah, beep, 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 beep. take a look. See what you think. <laughs> well, uh, well, uh, Tony Schiavone net worth under review. <laughs> <laughs> Boys that ever uh, forget that part. <laughs> yes. I got to send this to Lois. She won't, she won't fucking believe it. <laughs> I'm trying to tag Chris Shivani, but I can't. You probably can. Well, can't. I guess he changed his handle. Hmm. Oh God. Dude, this is so great. Congratulations, buddy. Yeah, thank you. Now meanwhile, uh what did this match get? Like a a eighth of a star. <laughs> An eighth of a star. <laughs> it gets one star and it's outstanding. Okay. All right. You're going to be really excited about this. Mm. About what? What's coming up next? Tank Abbott, Jerry Flynn. Now we just saw it. Well, I'm just saying that was one star. You were not excited about that? No. Okay. I know you won't okay. be excited about this. It's Buff Bagwell and Diamond Dallas Page. It's yeah. Three. Here, this was a this was a bullshit. This was a bullshit angle. It's three and a quarter stars. This gets three and a quarter star. Yeah. And it's okay. even called best match on the show. Mainly okay. a brawl all over the place. They ended up in the internet area and each uh -huh. guy smashed their computer together and DDP hit Bagwell with a keyboard. Blah, blah, blah. They did an angle where Kimberly came out, but she did nothing. And they teased <laughs> that they didn't know which one she had come out to help. Mm -hmm. By the way, can you believe DDP's old ass is wrestling again tonight with AEW? Isn't that something? God, I thought it was cool. 
the way uh, he's 67 and came out and diamond cut the young tag team trying to get over. Everybody's a fucking booker. No, no, no. I'm not at all. I just think it's awesome though. He's trying to help the young guys get over, you know, <laughs> yeah, bro, bro. Seriously. I've never seen someone run through their entire LinkedIn resume. The way DDP did on this, Isn't it? Last night. <laughs> as you all know, bro, from following me on bang at DDP.com. <laughs> maybe you first seen me on my Instagrams. It's <laughs> at diamond Dallas page yoga. Maybe you've you seen me on the Twitter machine. <laughs> Some of you you probably even got my free app in the app store and Google play. (laughs) Did you hear JR react to it? No. What did he say? He was was doing all that stuff and you could hear JR say, uh, (laughs) you could just hear him say, uh, on the mic. And so after the show was over, DDP said, bro, I need to talk to you. And I'm thinking, oh, he's going to give me shit for JR's comment. Well, it wasn't really a comment, just kind of a, a, a sigh, toy. A sigh. Yeah, sigh, right. And he said, come on, he turned his, oh, fuck, here we go. So I walk in the back. He said, hey, bro, how much weight have you gained? <laughs> I said, I've gained five pounds. I said, I weigh every week. I went down to 219 on your diet. I'm up to 224. He said, bro, you need to stop right now. You will gain all your weight back. <laughs> it's Okay. I said, thanks, man. I really appreciate your concern. He said, listen, I'll help you out. Call me whatever we need. And I walked out of thinking, Phew. I guess he didn't hear JR's comment. Well, he's going to hear about me and you talking about him. And we're both going to get lit up on our text messages. <laughs> anyway, this was, uh, this, uh, this was a bullshit angle. This was one of those angles to where they tried to, they tried to work the boys. We were in the backstage area. I think we were in Denver, if I recall. And there was a commotion in the back as the guys were getting getting there that day. And someone said, Paige and uh, Bagwell are having a fight about Kimberly. And they had a big pull apart and they had, I mean, they tried to make it look real. And I'm thinking, I'm standing in the back watching this pull apart thinking, who the fuck are they trying to fucking fool? They're trying to work the boys to try to make it a real angle. How about the sign in the background that says Buff ate my stuff? <laughs> There's a girl holding it up. Mm. So anyway, you you weren't a fan of the uh involving somebody's real life wife in a story no, like that? No. I mean, look, I I get it. You try to you try to come up with a storyline and you try to make it uh you try to make it real, but I, I never was in favor of working the boys because nothing it's nothing's a work. I mean, nothing's real. Everything's a work. So don't try to fucking fool us. <laughs> oh, both went down at the same time and beer flying away. By the way, here's a little, uh, we're at 137, 20, uh, 36, 37, 38. 39, 40. By the way, is, uh, is DDP going to be when it's all said and done, one of the most important figures in wrestling history? I think he's going to be one of the most successful after wrestling figures. I mean, not only did, did, you know, he started late, 
was a manager and started late as a wrestler. Went on to have great success there. Helped a lot, became world champ, mm-hmm. helped a lot of people with, uh, you know, their physical fitness and taking better care of themselves. Turned around Jake, the snake and, and Scott hall in a major way. And then sort of quietly, as he's built this big business for himself, you know, the way you promote a business these days is a little different. You've got to have almost like your own little promotional department. And he assembled a really, really great crew of people. You know, the Steve Hughes of the world, the Dylan Mm -hmm. Primers of the world. And when this whole AEW thing came to be, they were there to help lend support when a startup wrestling company really needed it. And now he's behind the scenes, a pretty important part of that from a production standpoint. And I just don't think long-term, even though he's our buddy, we like to fuck with him on the show. Cause that's what we do long-term. When you really look at his influence in the business in a very positive way, because lots of people say, oh, he was terrible to work with. And, oh, he wanted to script his matches and Mark Madden thinks he's a dick. And there's people who didn't like him as an in-ring performer when he was wrestling. But now that he's out of the ring, the support continues for the business in a way that I don't think a lot of people really understand. No, I agree with everything you said. He, he will go down as one of the more important ones in the business. You know, Chris Jericho credits him with still being able to do what he does because he had really bad back trouble and lots of guys, you know, have lengthened their career. A guy like AJ styles years ago was really hurting in his back and he got on this routine and now he's better for it. And you don't hear as much of that anymore because you know, the AEW WWE thing is real, but there are a lot of guys who have, you know, his program as a regular part of their lifestyle yourself included, and it's helped a lot. And, mm. you know, then the whole production facility thing, just right place, right time. Good guy, somebody they know, like, and trust. And it just, it continues to evolve. It's really remarkable that it almost feels accidental until you talk to him and realize no, it was the plan all along. Yeah. Got, he's got great people working for him. You're right. He really does. And I've, you know, I go there every week and work with those guys and I'm not going to mention them because I'll, I'll leave somebody out and I shouldn't. Well, there's weird Louie. We, we know there's weird Louie. Yeah. There's weird Louie. And you know what? I need to say something here about weird Louie. He's the guy who does the terrible impressions at the start of the show that have ruined it for the last year. Continue. No, no, he does some of them. He doesn't do them all. Just he does some of them. Balls. He did Sean Connery. He did Christopher Walken, Norm MacDonald. Uh, he does some of them, but for, uh, for, uh, every, every time I see weird Louie, yeah. first thing I first thing I want to do is shoot myself in the head. Sure. Of course. Uh, but he's a damn good producer. He's a damn good video editor. He really is really good at what he does. Everybody at, uh, comeback studios, part of DDP yoga. They're all good people. Okay. Look at this. Chad Damiani, Mark Madden, WCW.com. Look at those old, <laughs> those old monitors. Would you, <laughs> uh, things have changed tremendously in the 20 years, haven't they? They have. Hell, things, things have changed tremendously in, in the last 10 years. Oh, by the way, did you see over the weekend, this past weekend, Hulk Hogan auctioned off his old uh, Hulkamania red and yellow Viper? Did you bid for it? 
I did not. Hmm. What did it get? I think like 80 grand, 75, 80 grand. Hmm. Went through the make them auction and, uh, he donated it and he wasn't keeping the money. Mm-hmm. 100% of the proceeds went to 50 legs, which I believe helps, uh, children get, um, artificial limbs, you know, prosthetics, things right. like that. I'd like to see more about it. It's 50 legs.org online, but yeah, Hogan's car brought like 75 or 80 G's and that's going to go help kids get prosthetics. And that's pretty cool. That is cool. How's, uh, how's Hogan doing? He's great. That's one of, that's one of the guys I'd like to reach out to and just to he's check with, in on. I see how he's doing. He's with Eric this week. I think, you know, Eric's yeah. sort of, uh, spent the, spent the winter, a lot of the winter, most of November and all of December down in Florida. Uh, okay. not too far from Clearwater beach where Hogan has a place on the ocean there. Right. And him and the missus have been staying in an Airbnb because you know, his kids live down there, his son and daughter-in-law and it's easy to fly into. So his daughter, who's on the West coast can still come see him. And I think some point later in the month, he'll make his way back home, but he's had a really great time down there so much that he's even thinking about looking at a place and it's easy to see why anybody who's spent any time down there especially this time of year at his house mm-hmm. in Wyoming. It's fucking bitterly cold. Not the case in Clearwater, Florida. No, Clearwater, Florida would be a good place to live. You know, I've thought, uh, most and I have, con- have considered moving. Well, I, I want to move. You want to move? You don't want to move. I do. Why you want to move? You have. You have the nicest house in all of Huntsville, Alabama. That's not true. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. As your father-in-law said, the biggest house on the biggest hill in town. Uh, why would you want you? Stop it. But Lois and I had considered moving. And then Lois said, nah, I don't want to leave my grandkids. Well, let's do this. Let's me and you. We'll just leave Lois and Megan to it. And we'll just move out west. <laughs> I, I wouldn't mind moving to Vegas. I'm in. I, t- I swear to you, I'm going to send you some links. I've been looking at houses in Vegas all weekend. Yeah, I can't afford that stuff, though. No, you don't have to. That's, you're that's, with me. Just, if you're with me, you wouldn't pay for anything. Just like Oh, always. you're right. You're right. You just buy two houses on the block. No, not two houses. But just get one where you have a wing or a floor. Okay, that's good enough for me. It's got to be. I, I don't need stairs because Lois can't get up and down the stairs. Hey, first of all, if you're if we're doing this together, Lois ain't coming. I ain't yeah. signing up for a boss or dog hair. <laughs> Well, and secondly, it would have to have an elevator. Come on. Yeah. How are you going to get your party supplies from the top level to the basement? Mm -hmm. But I always thought, um, that Vegas would be a great place to live. Well, ask, uh, your, your coworker, uh, Dean, I mean, John Moxley, he knows Mm -hmm. he lives there. Yeah. I will. Maybe we'll go look at some places together while we're out uh-huh. the Super Bowl weekend. I'm not going to be able to move, Conrad. I'm going to be living in this house until I die, and I could die any minute. Tony, you've got 19 million fucking dollars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is the hold on? 
Uh, First of yeah, all, I, I got $19 million. I realized that I got finessed. Mm-hmm. I'm letting you keep all the proceeds from this shit show in order to pay for that wedding. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're sitting on fucking eight figures. <laughs> What's the deal? Uh, I wish I knew my friend. I wish I knew. This match over yet? No. So we're going to move to Vegas, huh? Why not? I'll tell you where another place I, I, I liked. I liked Arizona a lot, too. And Lois said she wouldn't mind moving to uh, San Antonio, Texas. San Antonio. Yep. What's up with that? Uh, she just, she's got friends there. It's a big military town. You know, she's really, uh, loves the military. And, uh, so. So there you go. So there you go. What does that mean? So, there you go. Well, I don't know. We'll just end up living here. The, the grand, the grandkids have, have changed everything with us. What did it change? Well, Lois really loves her grandkids and she wasn't really much of a, she wasn't really a good grandmother. Really? And now, oh yeah, she was a terrible grandmother because she always said, she said, I raised five. Oh Lordy. You mean on, on some bacon? <laughs> Here comes the bacon. She was, I'm telling you, she was during this run, the most beautiful woman in wrestling. I thought, well, in 2000, things aren't the same with Tammy Sitch. So it's, I, I, I would give you this. She's, she's up there. Yeah. Just beautiful. Just. It was proven a long time ago. Well, before yoga, the DDP was a hell of a salesman. Oh boy. This is a very much a Vince Russo style storyline. Yes, it is. Oh, I want to mention a great close personal friend of the show. Mm. Mance Warner had a no rope barbed wire match over the weekend for an independent promotion about an hour outside of Dallas. Uh Uh-huh. A Texas no rope barbed wire death match. Where are you at on it, Tony? Crazy. So in other words, they had no ropes where so they stretched barbed wire around the ring post. Yeah. So they replaced the ropes with barbed wire. So if you, instead of taking an Irish whip into ropes, you took it into strands of barbed wire. Did he get like a $50 payoff? I, I don't know what the payday of that promotion is, but you do the fuck. You don't need to do shit like that. Hey, I like Mance. Great, great performer. We love Mance. Oh, did you just Google it and look at pictures? No. Oh, you just started yelling. What the fuck? I thought, well, I'm thinking what I mean, dude, the man likes that beef stew at Aldi. 
That shit ain't going to pay for itself. Yeah, and for a $50 payoff, you can get a lot of it. You probably get a month's worth. I think that promotion pays. I think. Good. I think it's like $150. So is everything else now going to be in a cage? Because here comes a cage, and we got about uh, 40 minutes left in the show. Next up is a caged heat match with caged the wall heat. and Billy Kidman. Jesus. Kind of a, say, don't ask me to explain the result. <laughs> Just caged heat match. You know what? The cage was always the blow off of an angle. It meant something big. This is a blow off. This is the third match in Kidman's matches tonight. Oh, Jesus Christ. Well, I'm sure that he's been bumped and he's bruised and he's sore and I'm sure he'll get iced down by Tori later. Story here now at this point. I don't think she was. I'm not sure. Yeah, she was around. So she was still in WCW. She started coming to the show, mm. uh, as Samantha on the February 11th episode of thunder that's in 99 okay she was brought in by the nwo to seduce david flair mm. <laughs> david flair isn't it great david flair was real life dating mm-hmm. Stacey kubler and they bring in tory wilson to seduce him mm-hmm. man i wish i was a part of this family a long time mm. ago and, and he was and on this show earlier he was making out with a daphne Jesus. Nah, two out of three ain't bad. No, man. I like Daphne. Daphne was. Jesus Christ. It's supposed to be a joke, Tony. Take everything so seriously. By the way, Daphne's not a fan of this show. She's not? Well, probably just me specifically. Once upon a time, uh, we did a TNA episode with Bruce Pritchard, and I asked Bruce Pritchard about rumors. Mm-hmm. And I thought he did a fine job shutting him down. She took great offense to what he said. And I guess it's my fault because I didn't have her as a guest on the show. She clearly doesn't listen to the show and know that we don't actually have guests. Mm-hmm. Oh, whatever. Oh, yeah. by the way, I've since put it out on uh, social media that you have a net worth of $19 million. <laughs> Here's some of the first comments. Dana's on <laughs> ski of own that sweet, sweet con money. Tony buying the Loki big hog two around the shoes. <laughs> and he still has alligator arms when the check comes. I just looked this up yesterday and even I LOL'd the, he is from Virginia though. I need to start Shivani everything. <laughs> then the reason for him starting a podcast was a total work. <laughs> Wonder how long till we see Lois on real housewives of Atlanta <laughs> ranting and raving drunk and spending Tony's stacks. Clearly this man has been to save with Conrad.com. And not one goddamn six man belt. It's that sweet <laughs> AEW money. It, that was his net worth, but he has since Shivani'd it. Holy shit, this podcast is the greatest work in the history of our great sport. <laughs> Big money in the rap game. <laughs> Sw- hashtag swimming in the dough. If Tony is worth 19 million, then Conrad must be worth at least 70. If he has a fleet of Rolls Royces, which I don't, mm-hmm. uh, worth every fucking dime. I knew it. I hope he's letting you keep all the podcast revenue. The rumor has it that it's just 16 and a half million because he spent so much money trademarking the term slapdick. 
<laughs> Don't let Lois see this. Can you ask Tony to let me hold $40? <laughs> Tony might've made that much, but doesn't he have like five children? Betty didn't get to keep any of it. Is dog hair considered currency now? <laughs> Excuse me while I make a withdrawal from my bank slash Roomba. <laughs> I bought two shirts to help this motherfucker pay for his daughter's wedding. I thought he was down on his luck. What a fucking carny worker. That's a lot of glass bottom boat rides. Jesus. How many people are on Patreon now? Okay. Right. He probably stuck with the rolls with the cloth interior. Okay. I get it. What? Holy shit, they've sold a lot of shirts over at LoisRules.com. <laughs> Man, I got to get a Patreon. And by the way, somebody Googled Michael Cole net worth. Yeah. yeah. Turns out he's only worth $4 million. So you're, worth <laughs> five, you're five times. Yep. Well, Michael should have been doing minor league baseball. That's where the real money is. Everybody knows that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Should have been working at Starbucks. That's where I made it. That's Starbucks 401k. Bruce Pritchard's uh, net worth is between 500000 and $2 million, according to that same website. <laughs> so you're worth all uh, 10 times what Bruce Pritchard is. Mm. Eric Bischoff, by the way, his net worth is $12.5 million. Oh, let's see what Jim Ross says. $4 million? Way low. Nah, it is way low. Way low. That's what's great <laughs> to me. Me and you know some of the real numbers from the names we've just floated out there. And mm -hmm. they are they are way off. And then this <laughs> one way off in the wrong direction. <laughs> wow. Holy cow. Jim Ross. <laughs> I gotta tell him. He will LOL at that. Yeah. Jim uh, Ross. Here's a great Jim one. Art Anderson's worth three million. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim Ross is a, a guy at his age that doesn't need to be doing anything. He can ride off into the sunset. He's doing it for the love of the game, baby. Yes, exactly. Right. You're exactly right. Jr. You're exactly right. Excalibur. what do you think of the way they put uh, bill cower and uh, Jimmy Johnson in the hall of fame this past weekend? Oh, I thought it was pretty cool. That was cool. I saw when, when Cower, when they, uh, they, uh, announced Cower on TV, had the director of the hall of fame come up. And, Did you cry a little? No, no, there's uh, very few things make me cry. Punching the balls is one of them. Though. I've seen that. Yeah. It'll make me scream. But no, emotionally, not there's not much that makes me cry. Oh. I especially don't cry about somebody getting inducted into a Hall of Fame, hmm. even if that person cries. I want to know what is Butch Reed's net worth? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> I mean, cause this is has been on the money so far. Let's see what this one is. <laughs> oh, 100,000 to $1 million. Oh, you know why that is? I forgot to tell you this. He donated his fortune to charity. Yeah. He started uh, a hospital years ago after he got that Netflix money and he mm -hmm. named it after his little sister who he always said was like his saint. You know, she was like an angel 
looking out for him his whole life. And her name was Jude. You may have heard of it. It's St. Jude Children's Hospital. Oh, okay. Okay. So then the rumor that I heard about him was wrong. I heard he had started the Kardashians television show and all the Kardashians built him out of his money. So mm. that was wrong. There's a couple of really good jokes there, but on Tessa Blanchard weekend, I can't use any of them. Mm. Mm. By the way, uh, the wall's real name. Am I saying this right? Jerry toot. Uh, yes. T U I T E. Would you call that toot toot? I don't know why, but I, I want that to be my nickname for you from now on toot. Cause see, as you know, the rock and roll express, it's hoot and punky. Why don't we just have you be toot? I'm going to, so when I hang up, when I get done with you, I'm going to, I'm going to call Taz and I'll say, Hey man, when you see Tony next week, call big toot. crowd, mm-hmm. acknowledge him in a big way. Hey toot, what's going on toot? <laughs> Tootin' Taz. Oh, God, that'd be a great man. That'd be awesome. Right before he takes your job, when they try it with y'all being together, mm-hmm. you can call yourself Tootin' Taz. You were there first. Taz and Toot would be better to me. No, no, Tootin' Taz. Put him first. You're so selfless. How about the Hurricane Rana on the wall? That's not bad. Shooting star press, maybe in WCW at this point, if you could be the wall or you could be Billy Kidman, <laughs> who would fuck? you be? <laughs> oh, uh, what do you think? Well, I mean, if you're the wall, you're a giant. So it seems like you're more likely to get pushed, but mm-hmm. if you're Billy Kidman, oh, that's it. Big ass choke slam. One, two, three, we're done. Five minutes and three seconds. Kidman's coming off the top. Gets caught in a choke slam. Pinned. That's a wrap, son. I think the wall had any potential. Well, he died. Well, I know, but oh, you did after, after he's running WCW. Well, I mean, they tried him in, in TNA. Really? I, I what did he wrestle as a TNA? Two. <laughs> <laughs> No, he was there. He, uh, he's the moniker malice. Okay. He also did a little bit for uh, all Japan as well. I, I, I thought that I always thought that we, it was one of those guys we misused. Unfortunately, he died over in Japan. I think mm. it was a heart attack. Mm. Okay. We're getting ready for Terry funk and, uh, big sexy hard to believe that he passed away at that age too. He was just 36. Jesus. Isn't that crazy? Just think That's if I would have died at 36, you would have had to go into your own bank account to pay for your daughter's wedding. Yeah. Thank God that didn't happen. You know, well, hang around a little bit longer. Cause I got a grandson to put through college. Got that sweet, sweet con money now. <laughs> no, I'll take the sweet, sweet con rad money. Thank you. Are you surprised that Kevin Nash agreed to get branded here? Yeah, shocked. We should mention Kevin hmm. Nash recently posted a picture of before and after he had a uh, knee replacement and he realigned his hips and he's worked very, very hard 
obviously working out, but also some stem cell therapy stuff, totally rehabbed himself. But he basically said the reason he had to retire was he was hobbled from injuries and showed up before and after with his knees. Did you see that picture? I didn't see the picture, but I can understand that guy, the size he is taking bumps. Dude, I'm going to send this to you. I'm going to text it to you. I think you will be blown away. I mean, really remarkable. The before and after here. Okay. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. I'm <laughs> sure I'm not, I'm not, I'm not kidding. I know you think everything I say on this show was funny. Ha ha fuckery, but I'll just send it to you. And I want you to see the before and after. And, uh, you can see it on Kevin Nash's Twitter. If any of you are listening and you'd like to see it, he is at real Kevin Nash, throw him a follow there. He's a fun follow and he's got some big stuff coming, some big movies coming up and but really a remarkable before and after. And I know you're like, going to be, be tempted to look at his chest mates, but look at his knees. No, I, I'm looking at his knees. His right knee is like bent in. Yes. And his left knee is, uh, wrapped up and his weenie is between them. <laughs> What's wrong with you? You can't help yourself. <laughs> Sorry. I'm trying to talk about a guy's rehabilitation. You got to go right to the dicks, <laughs> but on the right hand side, the knees are perfect. And they're remarkable? perfect, dude. It's, it doesn't look the same guy. Like, no, if you chopped him off, just waist down, you would think, well, these are two totally different humans. There's no way that this is a real before and after, but it is. So shout out to Kevin Nash for pulling the nose up on his physical situation there. I mean, he's always. You know, it's always been something fans made fun of when he tore his quad and all that, but you can see, man, he was, he was really hurting. He was in a bad way. And now with new knees and his hips being realigned and the ability to actually work out, doesn't matter if it's just an upper body business. He looks great here. Yeah, man. He, he does. He's always kept himself in remarkable shape where it looks like at any time he can cut out and come out and cut a hell of a promo, but obviously it's not like he's wanting to bump around, but. Got some big movie stuff in the works. Think he's going to be in a uh, Alec Baldwin movie soon, which is a big deal for him. That's good. You know, he was always, uh, and we, we talk so much about him being backstage and, you know, people talking about him being a politician or whatever, but he was always, you know, God, there went the table. They, he was always, you know, his persona was really cool. He is cool in the ring. Life, and he yeah. was, he was really cool backstage too. He was funny. He was uh, really a cool guy to hang out with. If you're going to go drinking with, if you can pick like a Mount Rushmore of wrestlers to drink with, Kevin mm-hmm. Nash is on that. Yes, he is. That's that's a good one. That's a good call. Phenomenal. So there you see, he power bombs Terry Funk right through the table, the announcer's table. He's got a mic now. I'm going to play that. You got a lot of heart, old man. You just ain't got no damn common sense. If you crawl back in here, you can keep your commissionership. Come on, if you can crawl back in here, you can keep it. How about that? If he can crawl back in here and a good look at Terry Funk, and you can better believe he's going to crawl. Now, if Terry Funk is breathing, he's going to do everything within his power to try and get back in to the ring. The commissioner's on, job is at stake. I'll let you keep it. 
If you can climb in the ring, old man. So of course this is a hardcore match. The commissionership for WCW is on the line. And now that he's been power bombed, jackknife power bombed through the announcer table, Nash throwing it out there. Just crawl in and I'll let you keep it. We'll see if he does. It's crawling to get back in the ring. And wait a minute, Nash said he'd let him keep it if he could crawl back in the ring. I'm a lying son of a bitch. Boy, is he a- and now here comes the beat down. Meltzer would write this up and say, this was a sad one-sided squash match. Funk who worked that afternoon on a previously arranged booking in Michigan for an indie show wound up in trouble because of problems at the Cincinnati airport. And there was substantial fear if he'd even make it to the building in time for the match. He put on as good of a performance as would be humanly possible, but there comes a time when it gets really sad to see one of the great performers in history being portrayed as unable to even garner offense in a match that was supposedly his specialty to boot Nash destroyed him with a few chair shots and power bombed him through the announcer's table. Funk who bled on the indie show that afternoon, bladed again, and the fans were booing funk, which was no surprise based on the storyline portrayals of the characters to the modern audience. Nash was openly mocking funk as a serious opponent from the beginning and didn't sell any of his offense or take any bumps, but funk left for dead. Nash said if funk could get in the ring, he'd let him stay commissioner. Funk crawled in the ring and Nash said he lied and set up three chairs, power bomb funk, funk, funk through them for the pin. And don't kid yourself. Funk at 55 with all he's put his body through feels every blow, every bit as bad as you can imagine to his credit. He carried Nash to his best match in years, two and a half wow. stars. Hmm. Well, how can you call it a squash match and then you say carried a man to his best match in years i it just shows you the respect that Meltzer has for i get that in my opinion yeah i I get that but still oh hey i forgot to ask what did you think of wrestle kingdom Uh, i didn't watch it huh did you go over there for it this time no you want to say some words about jushin liger calling it a career or fuck Mm. him too no i no Congratulations, Jushin. I'm sure he's listening. I'm sure he is too. Talk but really, him. it's uh it it was a remarkable career, wasn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. So what did you think of Wrestle Kingdom? I didn't watch it. Bullshit. No, I didn't. You, I told you I took the uh you, you were glued took, to the fucking set. I took the wife to the beach for her birthday. You knew this. Uh, you think I'm going to say, Hey honey, get in here. We got to watch Tanahashi wrestle. Yeah, but, but you got, you, you got it on. Uh, I haven't seen it yet. I, I heard okay. it's good. I'll, I'll make you watch it when we're in Vegas. Cause I know you'll want to come in early. Yeah, boy. I mean, once diamond leaves, we'll turn it on. Diamond diamond Dallas page is coming. No, you know, old, old Mellow Yellow Zero herself. Oh, stop that. You stop it. What? Stop. Okay. Stop. Stop talking about that. Let's go back to the match. This is a wrestling podcast. Oh. Okay. And you keep talking about shit like that. My net worth will go down. Did you, uh, you have a comment about the Titans beating not only Tom Brady and the Patriots, but Lamar Jackson and the Ravens? Mm-hmm. Amazing. I, I didn't see that one at all. 
we got a guy that works at uh, for DDP, uh, Dylan, and uh, Dylan, good guy. Big he predicted. He, predict, he predicted both of them. He was right on. He said the Titans are going to go to the AFC Championship game. I went bullshit. He said no, they are. So there you go. And I guess all you Bama fans are Derrick Henry crazy again, aren't you? No, I've always loved Derrick Henry, but I can't stand the Titans. I don't give a shit how close I live to Nashville. Fuck them. <laughs> huh. And if, you, if you're listening and you're mad about that, fuck off. Yeah. You know why I uh, I don't like the Tennessee Titans? Why? Because they are Justin Timberlake's favorite team. You hate Justin Timberlake? Oh, with a passion. Seriously. Seriously. Dude. Are you jealous because he got some of that Britney meat? No, you've you never heard my Justin Timberlake story? No. Come on. I've told it on this podcast. Well, I'm zoned out. <laughs> yeah. Well, what is it? When NSYNC was hot in the 90s, NSYNC's marketing people, publicist people, whatever they are. Watch this. I want to Take a look at this power bomb here. Fuck him up. Jesus 55 year old Terry font. Look at the crowd. Yeah. Kevin also said, thank you to him too. Count to a thousand. Hmm. Anyway, NSYNC. <laughs> so in the nineties, uh, my daughter was a big NSYNC fan. Laurie was the one that you so graciously, uh, got a, uh, a wrestling, a uh, marriage dinner for, and uh, so she was a big NSYNC fan. So we got her tickets, and her friends, two of her friends, and I went to the Lakewood Amphitheater here in Atlanta to see NSYNC. But we also, because we knew people, were able to go backstage for the meet and greet. And at the meet and greet, there's a table. NSYNC is sitting there. There are big security guys there in line, and each girl goes through with a picture, and each member of NSYNC signs it. The first one at the table was Justin Timberlake, and then it went on down the line. Timberlake had a baseball cap on. He put his baseball cap down to the as far as he could without putting it over his eyes. He kept his head down, and he signed every autograph, and they just moved it over to the left. Side so didn't even look up, did not acknowledge any of the girls, any of their parents moved it down. As we moved on down the line, Lance Bass and the other guys looked up. How you doing? Thanks for coming. Good to see you. How you doing? Thanks for coming. Good to see you. Very nice. Timberlake, who is the fucking star of the fucking show. Who's the, was the Hulk Hogan of NSYNC ignored each and every girl. Wouldn't even look up. I wanted to say, but there was this big security guy next to him. I wanted to say, you fuck you, you piece of shit kid. Look at these kids who are paying your fucking salary. I was so fucking hot. And to this day, I haven't gotten over. My daughter has. I said, dad, it's okay. I mean, it was Justin Timberlake. I said, fuck him. Fuck him. And to this day, fuck him. I feel better now. Do you think he may have just had a bad day? No, I haven't had a bad. He may have, he had a bad day. Fuck him and his bad days. Have your bad day when the concert's over. 
Hang on now. Fuck him. And thus, fuck the Tennessee Titans because he's a fan of them. He's also a big fan of all elite wrestling. Oh, bull fucking shit. Bull, bull fucking shit. You're saying that he wouldn't be bull fucking shit. You think he'd have you know wrestling exists? How about the big old belt there? That's something else, isn't it? How about a skinny Arn Anderson? Arn Anderson's a big Timberlake fan. <laughs> Scott Hudson, maybe. I was told that Scott Hudson actually tried out for NSYNC. I, I'm sure he had a great singing voice. He would have had to put a toupee on. Love baseball movies, right? Love baseball movies. Trouble with the curve. Wanted to see it. Guess what? Justin Timberlake was in it. Didn't fucking watch it. You've heard me tell that story before. Just yeah. now you just, you wanted to get my blood pressure up again because of that despise that motherfucker. I love that. You're mad that you didn't get your value in something you didn't pay for. And that's not it. That is not it. You snuck into something that that you were supposed to pay for and you didn't. And then you're like, I didn't get my money's worth. No, that's not it. That's not it. So exactly what you said. No, no, you're, you're missing the point here. Okay. Missing the point is don't fuck. Don't fuck with my daughter. He didn't. That's the thing. He didn't fuck with her at all. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Don't, don't piss her off. Did you see uh, over the weekend, since you don't want to talk about the negative stuff, that Tessa Blanchard is now the world champion for Impact? Really? Yeah. Hmm. I guess like, technically it happened in Lucha Underground, but that wasn't on a lot of people's radar. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she beat Sammy Callahan for the big belt. She beat a dude for the dude wow. belt. The big dude belt. Didn't we know that was going to happen? Yeah. It's sort of like when you start a hero movie, like, oh man, Will Smith is estranged from his wife and she's dating a new guy. And it's really put a strain on his relationship with his daughter. (gasps) There's aliens coming to end the world. Fuck. I hope he can manage to dodge that and put things back together with his wife. And most importantly, repair that relationship with the baby. Fast forward two hours. Oh, I've seen this movie. It was the same thing with Tessa. They beat her, beat her, beat her, beat her with the idea that she was going to go over. And then, uh, well, some things happened this weekend and some of the things I think you would be into, but I don't think you want me talking about here on the show. No, I'd rather you stay away from it. Uh, but I mean, uh, for some reason I had heard that they were going to put the belt on Tessa. We'd heard that months ago. Yes. That's been the plan for a while. And this is like their big pay-per-view. So they had to build, they weren't just going to do it. You know, they wanted to make the most of it and put it on a big show. So they did. Mm -hmm. So it was on Lucha Underground. No, no, no. It's on impact. Okay. What what, what was the Lucha Underground reference then? What did I miss there? Let me just, let me try speaking. And if you could listen, all right. (laughs) I said, it's the first time that a woman has won the big belt for a wrestling promotion. Normally it's reserved for men, you know, the world heavyweight champion. And then there's a women's division. Well, a woman won the men's belt in Lucha Underground a few years ago, but it wasn't okay. on a lot of That's people's a... radar. Okay, got it. But outside got of it. that, 
This is got the it. first time. So technically the second, but how about Sid? He's on all kinds of cocaine here. <laughs> how about he and Arn in the ring? <laughs> Can you imagine if you're Sid and you're like, all right, so we want you to go out there and put over this five foot nine guy uh-huh. and Arn's going to be the referee. You got to be thinking, what the fuck? <laughs> what? <laughs> <clears throat> they put Arn in there just in case, you know, he changes his mind, doesn't want to put him over. He'll just stab him. <laughs> oh. By the way, I had a conversation with my daughter the other day. Oh. We took her to see knives out during the holidays. Yes. Right. And, uh, That's... she asked me on the ride after she said, dad, what kind of noise would it make? If you really stab somebody, I said, what? She's like, well, would there be a noise? Like, when you shoot somebody, there's like a big gunshot and it makes a big noise. Would there be a noise if you stab somebody? I'm like, oh, yeah. And she's like, what would it sound like? And so I said, well, like, if you were like, like stab three times, she's like, sure. I was like, stab, stab, stab. And she's like, the noise is the word stab. I'm like, yep. And she's like, well, I mean, if, if you like hit an organ and blood started coming out, what would that sound like? I'm like, blood, blood, blood. It's like, so hypothetically, if we stabbed a guy on our ride home. I was like, oh yeah, stab, 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 blood, blood, blood. She quit asking me questions like that. You're a hell of a dad. Well, I mean, here's the deal. Here's just between my daughter and your daughter. Mine met Justin Timberlake. (laughs) I mean, and he probably was nice to her. Oh, got a bunch of selfies. There's a pretty picture of them meeting each other. On her uh, dresser in her bedroom. Well, just let me say about Justin Timberlake can selfie this. Okay. What type of match is this? Is this going to be a good match? Hell yeah, it is. It's, uh, Mels would say it's the second best match Sid ever had. You saw his best match against Shawn Michaels and Madison square garden. Right. So here's the write up. Chris Benoit beat Sid vicious to win the WCW queen for a day trophy. In 14 minutes and 50 seconds, Michael Buffer in the ring intros said Benoit was six feet tall, which is sort of funny. Uh, and then he said, Sid was six eleven, which is just as funny. WCW created a very good atmosphere in trying to make this seem important. Benoit got most of the offense and Bischoff Bischoff vicious, even let Benoit chop him and Benoit worked on vicious's knee and the fans were strongly into vicious, even though Benoit kept the offense most of the way, combining moves like German suplexes. And even a heel hook submission. Benoit did the diving headbutt for a near fall. Vicious came back with the choke slam, but Benoit's foot was under the ropes. And then Benoit put the cross face on, but Vicious tapped while his foot was under the ropes. The pop for the win by Benoit was disappointing, but the post match interview by him more than made up for it. Two and three quarters of, of a star. Hmm. Okay. We should mention that, uh, Having his foot under the rope allegedly is something that WCW's <laughs> office told Sid to do. Hey, make sure when this happens, you've got your foot under the rope. They want to leave themselves an out in case things went sideways with Benoit, who tried to quit the promotion earlier this same day. Imagine if that were to happen today. Well, a guy's unhappy, tried to quit. What'd you do? Made him the champ. Okay. <laughs> Do you think he, Benoit knew that the foot was going to be under the rope? I don't think he cared. Uh, mm, okay.
Sid chomping on that gum, isn't he? <laughs> I always thought he chewed gum like that and made you look like a fucking goof. What'd you say? He looks like a goof to his face? Nope. Just talking about the chawing of the gum. Slapping them jaws together. You think we're going to get somebody to slap them jaws together for you out in Vegas? <laughs> I'm not going now. Why? Because I know what's going to happen. What? It's just, it's just fodder for shit on this podcast. Well, I didn't think you were really going anyway. You won't come yeah. to my fucking house. Now you're going da- out there. Diamond in your By the way, everybody listening to this knows nothing happened. It's all funny. Ha ha. Sort of like you and Dean Malenko. Actually, the opposite of you and Dean Malenko. That's real. It's as real as your $19 million net worth. <laughs> Listen. Nothing happened between D and me and Dean Malenka, but had it happened, I would have shoved that little motherfucker in the ground, but nothing did. Somebody tell Dean that I'm sure Jeff Jones, you listen to this show. When you see oh, Dean Malenko, you let him yeah. know that on this very show and timestamp it, Tony <laughs> Shivani said he was going to whip Dean Malenko's <laughs> little ass. I did not say that. He called him a cruiser height agent. <laughs> what he said hmm. pwi 500 this you saw it off a little fuck that's <laughs> what he said that's what he said what, what are all these fuckers coming out for they want to see the world champion watch on the fucking monitor in the back like everybody else does They're trying to make it feel like a big deal okay i think rick uh rick flair's son david is out there just doing the rap pivot mm-hmm trying to say, Hey, I got Stacy Keebler. I got Tori Wilson. Anything else worth having here in Ohio? <laughs> my, wow. dad, my dad, by the way, would laugh at this. At what? Sid and Benoit. Big man, little man type say, thing. Oh shit. <laughs> What's this little motherfucker going to do? <laughs> that big some bitch has got pumpkin shoulders. <laughs> Ain't nobody fucking with him. <laughs> Hell, if he wanted to, he'd hold you down and fuck you up the ass. What you going to say about it? <laughs> Nothing. Hmm. If they sell mates, we know who's on top and who's on bottom. That's all I'm saying. Hmm. Well, he's right in the way. <laughs> <laughs> in the real world, there ain't no way that anybody, that nobody could beat this fucker, right? Look at him. I don't know. Arn Anderson might disagree. <laughs> All he needs is a fucking pencil. <laughs> Watch bam, out. Bam, he's behind bam. you. There he goes. Off the bed. Sid still make the circuits anymore. Does he uh, sign autographs? Any stuff like that? He shows up occasionally. I saw a picture of him. A friend of the show sent me. Mm-hmm. But, and they told me the picture was taken in 2016. Dude. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, he's aged. No, he's still a big motherfucker. Is what I mean. Oh, okay. Yeah, he he's aged. Old, well, he looks older everybody. in the face, but he was wearing a shirt in the, in the photo I saw of him. He was standing in front of this jacked up truck, and I was like, "God damn, that's still a big bastard." Yeah, well, he was a big bastard. 
I still think in a fight, I, in, not now, not present day, but mm-hmm. back then, I still think I'd have, I'd have been on the Arn Anderson side of things in a real fight. Yeah. I think Arn Anderson would pull your goddamn eyeball out. Right. It's kind of like if Paul Orndorff and Vader had a real fight, who would you go with? Right. You would think it would be Vader, but we know different. We know different. Right. This is good. I I like this. Drop kicking the stairs onto the knee. Good story. Good story here. And there's been, you know, there's been, uh, a lot of that through the history of, of our great sport. Oh no. But there's, <laughs> there's been a lot of that. And, and JR be the first one to tell you the first guy that was small and everybody thought they could fuck with was Danny Hodge and Danny Hodge whip your ass, but he was small and he was overlooked a lot, but when it came to a shoot fight, Danny Hodge was all that. That in the history of our great sport. Pro wrestling. It's great to see Arn Anderson, a part of AEW now. Absolutely. He's the coach mm-hmm. of Cody Rhodes, the American nightmare. And he's looking very Mike Dick out there the vest mm-hmm. on and the shirt and the tie and the clipboard. And I like it. I'm glad to yeah. see that, uh, gosh, three of my five podcast co-hosts are on Wednesday nights now on TNT. Glad to hear that Eric's doing well. I didn't say anything about Eric. Mm. Well, but, I mean, he's hanging out in Florida. Well, that seemingly that's doing well. And he's, has the movie started uh, shooting yet? No. Okay. He's still involved in that, isn't he? Of course. Yeah. So he's doing all right. We should mention that uh, tomorrow night, Tony Schiavone is going to be doing a live chat on Patreon. And they're going to play another round of Gordon Sully pro wrestling trivia for a cool prize. Check it out at patreon.com forward slash WHW Monday. It's a chat with Tony. Lots of fun stuff coming up, including the big low key, big hog get together. It's going down April 24th through the 26th in Huntsville, Alabama. And, uh, our pal Efren, I'm sure has got like 14 different outfits to wear that week. Mm. Yeah, we look forward to being in Huntsville, and we look forward to uh, some Gordon Soli trivia. Got a great, as I said earlier, got a great prize, a great prize to the champion. I, I like the story that they're telling here in this match in that, you know, working on the leg, get the big man down, dragging the screw leg whip. As Mike Denae probably shouted out. Oh, did you see over the weekend? I'm sure you didn't, but, uh, your great close personal friend, Selena de la Renta you. posted a video of her pulling down her sunglasses and cutting eyes. And she says, where would you like to see me this year? And I quoted it and I said, 
at the Shivani family picnic. Hmm. And Matt Shivani immediately replied and said, I guess I'm going this year. <laughs> yeah. I love me some Selena De La Renta. Mm. What do you think about uh, your, your friends, uh, Zach Ryder and Kurt Hawkins, doing an LJN special here at the Conradison and hooking up uh, Silva's kids with a bunch of swag? That is tremendous. Two great men there Ryder and Hawkins. Zach Ryder is a great story. And uh, Kurt Hawkins helped show your man MJF a thing or two about a thing or two. Mm. Hey, um, you think, do, do you know, I, I know you've, you've done some things with, with, uh, look at this. Wow. Nicely done. I know you know, you know, Zach quite well. I've got, I'm getting a lot of Batman toys and figures. Yeah. Should you take them out of the box? He does. He, he, he believes in letting them breathe. Good. Cause that's what I've been doing too. And he, as I'm taking the, the people who keep them in the box, think that they're going to be worth something one day. And I get mm -hmm. that, but that's back before people knew to keep them in the box. But now that everybody knows to keep them in the box, they're all in the box. So it's not so special that it's in the box. If they're all in the box to begin with. I understand that box. Give yeah. him a back, give him a fig bath. What Zach does is Zach gets ass naked. <laughs> this is a little bit too much information, but go ahead. He gets ass naked and, uh, he coats himself in orange paint. Now he calls mm -hmm. itself Tanner, but we know different. And once he's completely pumpkined out, then he'll uh, take a shower, wash off the excess orange paint, and then he'll, he'll pour a big bath. And uh, it's a bubble bath of sorts. Mm. And yeah. I know what you're thinking. He's probably doing it for his beautiful fiance, Chelsea. Nay, nay. Mm. He's doing it so him and Big John Studd can have some alone time. We might invite Hercules Hernandez. Might see what Freddie Blassie's doing. Might mm. make it a party. Mm -hmm. And his, uh, his palatial estate there in mm. Orlando. Boy, this fucking conversation is really turning weird. No, he, he gets ass naked and takes baths with his fingers. We had a whole conversation about it. Hey, speaking of weird, mm. uh, friend of the show, bad money. Slim's daughter turned 18 over the weekend. Really? You think we can get her to uh low key big hog weekend? I hope not. Why? Why would we want an 18 year old girl to see all the shit that we do? I just thought it would be fun. She could be like yeah. our cheerleader or something. <laughs> No, I think we ought to stay. That's the it's. I have a feeling that on a low key big hog weekend, that Adam Demoy, also known as Turdhead. All right, okay, I'm okay. in. I didn't know there was a nickname Turdhead. Yeah, Turdhead, that's who he is. Okay. He knows it. Okay, got it. I'm sure his wife Kisa is gonna gonna join us. She was there last time. She's one of my favorite people. I can't believe she married that fucker. But I have a feeling that she's going to be there. But other than Kisa being there, and maybe uh, Stonerdale, uh, if he can get Misty to come, I don't know. Other than that, probably just guys. 
Don't want any teenagers there. It's a guy thing, you know? Makes sense. Well, Tim and Angel were there last time and they had fun. <laughs> yeah, they did. By the way, I heard through the grapevine that the summer mm-hmm. suit is no more. So apparently Tim is no longer wearing the summer a, suit, a jacket and shorts with my face all over it. Well, then probably you could buy them and, uh, and put them up in your Conradison. Well, why would I do that? I don't know. You're you, you collect shit. I just, I'm not, I, I'm not collecting I'll, Tim's summer suit, bro. Well, I don't know what you collect. I can't, you know, I may say. I may say, oh, you wouldn't want to collect that, but then you may. So I don't know. I just, knowing you're a collector, I thought that maybe you would want to collect Tim's summer suits that he no longer wears. I didn't know. Just trying to help out here. I mean, I know you like to collect belts. So, so the big gold belt and Tim's fucking summer suit, same, same. Nope. Nope. Not same, same at all. But it's memorabilia. You look at that summer suit with your face on and you remember what a fucking knucklehead he was. That's what memorabilia is about. Memories. I'm trying to leave the memories alone. Mm, Okay. By the way, we should mention there's some great shirts over at LoisRules.com. If you haven't already, check them out because uh, there's some funny ones that we've thrown up there late. I'm a big fan. Of the, uh, the butch Reed facts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I also like the bat winging. Mm. I think the old star 84 that says Shivani 84 is pretty good. I like but that the new one. one this week is we talked about for Christmas cranberry sauce. Yeah. And you said, I want the goop. You want cranberry sauce to shaped like the can. Right. And we have a, a shirt that says, I want that goop. <laughs> and it's got the shape cranberry sauce right out of the can in the background. Mm-hmm. This is going to be perfect. You got to check that out. And don't forget hire man's Warner is still a shirt and we're still hoping that we can get him hired from a major wrestling company. He's paid his dues on these independents, but it's time he gets a big league deal. So if you're a wrestling promoter, help us get man's Warner hired. We haven't put uh you a lie oh my on a shirt God. yet. Look at that choke slam. No, but Ryan is listening to the show and he'll probably mm-hmm. crank one out by the time this one posts. And there you go. Benoit has his foot under the ropes. So we've mm-hmm. established that if your foot is under the ropes, that Arn will stop the count. So well thought out. Well done here. You got to think Benoit knew what was coming about. We're going to leave the foot under the rope for Sid. If that's the setup, wouldn't you agree? Yep. Crippler crossface. He's tapped. Of course, but there's the foot on the rope and he's kicking it just to make sure it's obvious. Mm-hmm. Get a tight shot of it on the camera. Trash coming into the ring. The fans here in Cincinnati, they wanted to see Sid win. And hmm. th- there's not a lot of happy faces in that crowd right now. They're expecting Bret Hart and Sid. Instead, they got Benoit and Sid. People see him as a mid Carter here. So it looks from the trash and the lack of reaction and the sort of shocked face. They're trying their best to get it over though, but he doesn't care. He's going to Monday night raw. <laughs> yeah. You're underwhelmed by this, aren't you? Yeah, I am. But you said the interview that he did afterwards was good. 
I did say that. So we should probably Dave listen Mel- in to Dave it. Meltzer said that. No, Meltzer said that. What okay. everybody else is going to enjoy is the Royal Rumble next week, 1992. Flair wins it all, wins the big belt. Hard to and believe. that was that was how long was that after Flair left? And I know we'll talk about it next week. Uh, he won it in January of '92. He left y'all in uh, July of '91. Okay, so six months or so. Oh, big power moves, and telling the story as you said. Mm-hmm. Benoit trying to get him off that vertical base. Everybody's the same height when they're laying down. I know that's what you've told a lot of taller women as you tried to bet them. Whoa. When was the last time you tried to, to bet a tall lady? 77. Hmm. I was dating this girl in Virginia. Loved her. Susan. She was an Amazon. I feel like you're being mm. moved back in time right now. You're like in a moment right now. Yeah, I am. I miss Susan. She was a good girl. I don't know if you saw, but over the weekend, uh, mm. Marshawn Lynch gave some advice <laughs> at a press conference. After the Did C- not. After the Seahawks game, he says, take care of y'all bodies. Take care of y'all chicken. Take care of y'all mentals. Mentals? Mentals. Hmm. Of course, he said that on the way out after the Seahawks lost to the Packers. Mm-hmm. 28-23. Quite, the, quite the, uh, the weekend for the playoffs. Not a lot of stuff I expected. I was the, uh, the Chiefs comeback was spectacular. I was in downtown Atlanta. And I stopped by a restaurant to get something to eat after I dropped Lois off. And it was 24 to nothing when I walked out and I got home. It was 2824. <laughs> fuck, what a comeback. Yeah, huge delta in that game. Uh, Chiefs win by 20 points and the Packers win by five points and the Titans win by 16 and 49ers win by 17. Next week, man. Down to the nut cutting time. But it will be not as exciting as what you can see on TNT on Wednesdays, 8 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Central. Dino might. Here's the end of the promo here. And I proved tonight it's not what you don't have, it's what you have that matters. And this is what it's all about the world heavyweight title. You know, it's a. Whoa, whoa, whoa. what? Arn Anderson. I'm not a referee. <clears throat> Very emotional moment for me. Sid Vicious is all man. He's more man than most anybody on this planet. There was no prejudice out there, but I just want to congratulate you because I think of everybody out there, you've earned this. No reflection on Sid Vicious. I just want to congratulate you. Tell you, I'm proud to be part of WCW. You and Sid both made that happen. Thank you very just much, Arn. It's an honor. You know, go, whoa, whoa. Whoa, wait a minute. Mr. Commissioner, I just want to say something here, Mr. Canadian Hero. Enjoy that belt for another hour and 40 minutes. Because at the stroke of midnight, your life becomes a living hell. And you know what? That belt belongs to NWO, and we're getting it back. I'm sorry to turd, put a little turd in your punch bowl there, buddy. 
talking about the fact that he's going to be the new commissioner, Chris Benoit. Well, from the little turd to the big turd, best of luck. All right. Uh, what a so Chris Benoit's last words in WCW are from the little turd to the big turd. Good luck. Wow. What a way to go out of WCW little turd talk, <laughs> by the way, uh, we're doing a lot of turd talking over mm -hmm. here at the mortgage company. Did you know about this? No, I didn't. We're helping people get out of shitty deals and into better deals. We're doing that pretty routinely. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket, but if you're stuck with some Christmas credit card debt, maybe you're thinking it might be time to start planning for your new year's resolutions to save some money or get out of debt. First family mortgage can hook you up right now at savewithconrad.com. You don't need perfect credit. Even credit scores in the five hundreds can qualify and you can even skip your next two house payments. And of course, if you've got credit card debt, you know, it's an outrageous interest rate and that interest is not tax deductible. The interest you pay on a mortgage is tax deductible. So you get a much cheaper rate and most importantly, get out of debt faster. I'm talking to you. If you're in a 30 year loan, we can help you pay your house off faster and do it with cheaper monthly payments. We routinely help our podcast listeners say five, six, seven, even 800 bucks a month. And we can do it for you too. We're licensed in more than 40 States. And if we can't save you some cash, we won't waste your time. So it's no cost, no obligation. What are you waiting for? Go to savewithconrad.com right now. You'll be glad you did. NMLS number six, five, zero, eight, four equal housing lender, but it's savewithconrad.com. And coming up next week, Royal rumble. 1992, but for now, Tony Schiavone, looks like it's mm -hmm. about that time. It is about that time. And from Toot and Taz, I want some of that goop. We'll see you next week on what happened when we're on Westwood one each and every Monday for our friends, our comrades, our followers, our buddies. We are on Patron.